0: Hey, did you hear about walnut whips? Uh-oh. <laughs> What's happened to walnut whips?
1: <laughs> hang on, hang on. Is this that they're not going to have walnut in them anymore? Yep. What? What?
0: Hello, and welcome to episode 204 of the Creighton Crowbar. It is the 30th of August. I am Tom Francis, and with me here today are... Tom Senior And... Philip Waugh. Hello. Hello. Hi. There's... Oh, we didn't keep, like, a good list of news this week, but there was one big piece um that we didn't have any trouble remembering. <laughs> um, the Vermintide 2. <laughs> very good. Uh, two big pieces. <laughs> I can't believe there's a... Ver- <laughs> like, that actually did surprise me. Yeah. Thought, didn't that just come out, like... There's yesterday. also a
1: new, a new IP from, um, the, from Don't Nod that they won't talk about until oh, 2018. Yeah. Do they
0: remember me, people? Um, remember yes, me. but also
1: Life is Strange. Oh, right. Yeah. And, uh, No one you. is, I mean, I've, I haven't met that anyone come out? who's excited about that. No, mm. it's in November.
0: That's the one where you're doctor vampire and you're a
1: doctor vampire like... and i think it's supposed to be like ah uh, the conflict between your hippocratic <laughs> oath and your urge to drink the blood of it everyone it seems
0: like the hippocratic oath says you shouldn't drink that blood but <laughs> is there some wiggle room
1: <laughs> well i think it's about like whether you as a doctor can do enough good to just oh who knows <laughs>
0: So, what's their new one they won't talk about?
1: <laughs> so, they have buddied up with, uh, Namco Bandai to, um, work on this new, uh, thing that they, uh, basically they're talking a- around it because I think they don't want to distract from the other stuff that they're working on, but they released a couple of bits of concept art for it and it looked a bit like, you know, the kind of murder mystery that ends up with some, like, farm land scenes you know where (laughs) maybe people find a body or something um it reminded me a lot of that kind of thing like silent witness things but apparently it's set in some fictional town in america but then like all of the stuff that i saw them or namco people talking about was very much more on the marketing side of things like oh it makes sense that we set it in america because (laughs) global marketing let us explain this innovative decision (laughs) so but i think they're gonna talk more about that in 2018 so once vampire is out and Mm. i think they also said they'd be talking more about the life is strange thing in 2018 as mm. well. Mm. Some people are
0: actually going to think that was the other bit of big news. <laughs> that we it's had in it's mind. Big news.
1: <laughs> so true. I just thought I'd like add it in while I remembered. <laughs> yeah, it
0: turns out we are got news.
2: <laughs> Let me tie two. It's set in uh, everybody's gone to the Rapture, but that looks a bit. All, the, all <laughs> they've released of it are a bunch of screenshots of beautiful countryside. And this is, by the way, a game. The first game is about fighting giant rat
0: men called Skaven in a very dark city. Presumably so the second one has to also be about fighting a giant tide of rat men. At, yeah, I think at at tied cause they, cause they, they tied their hands a bit there because they swapped it out for They tied their hands a bit. Oh, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> I
1: don't know. Did they, like... Was the original game that you were... I don't know, like underground or something and then ended with you like breaking through of the sewers into a bright shining new land that oh, is also populated by i got bored men. of it
2: before that happened
1: see i don't know i'm just i'm just trying to help them out <laughs> yeah it's, it's set setting. in a really
2: dark place and now it's going to be set in a sunny place that's all i could think of they could do with that formula because <laughs> if it's just this rat man again i don't know how it's gonna be very interesting They you go to a wintry place
1: that's true that's the or a desert one. all of the biomes all of the, yeah
0: all of the video game places <laughs> winter is usually safe for the expansion pack yeah that's true Uh,
1: because
0: it's like it's different enough that it all they can market it but it's not so different that they have to make everything from scratch
1: they could have a rat pirate game because then they could like at some point make the joke about rats leaving a sinking ship Mm. but like also just make it about rat pirates
0: I know this is hardly the time for humour lads but I can't help but (laughs) notice (laughs) we're a lot like a bunch of rats leaving a sinking ship in that that's literally what's happening
2: they could do a MOBA and call it Rat Dota (laughs) <laughs> so what is the big news the actual news of the
0: um, uh, Mark Laidlaw writer of Half-Life posted a um, synopsis of a plot for Half-Life 2 episode 3 which,
1: um. Well, technically he remembered a dream <laughs> that he had and okay. wrote it up.
0: <laughs> so we won't be talking about the contents of this in terms of like what, what he wrote happened, uh, or would have happened or had been would have going to happen. No. <laughs> uh, because I haven't read it. Uh, Pippa hasn't read it. I haven't read it very intentionally because I don't want to spoil anything, <laughs> which may sound ridiculous given that this is a, uh, uh, someone who's left Valve now and, you know, uh, will not be involved with this and presumably is, is publishing it um, uh, under the impression that it's not going to be used in any meaningful way uh, but all the same I just want to like stay completely virgin for um, half any future half-life stuff um, and it's hard to believe that there'd be zero overlap between you know if they ever do do a, a future half-life thing uh, that that would not overlap at all with whatever the writer of half-life thought it should 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 happen um, but yeah that was a surprising turn of events <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, normally there are like
2: sort of NDAs and sort of things that stop people from doing this sort of thing.
1: Yeah, and I maybe wonder. It expired.
2: Yeah,
0: possibly. Um, Gotta be, right?
1: cause it's been about 10 years, hasn't it? Yeah.
0: So I don't know like anything such. about, uh, like his relationship with Valve, but I uh, thought it was amicable. So I think you, I, I would imagine, um, that he would have run it by them and said, Hey, I want to do this. Can mm. I? Um, didn't feel like a sort of angry (laughs) Mm. uh you know screw valve leak or anything right Mm. do you think it was the catharsis that the internet needed
2: to finally let yeah a lot of people
0: i heard that from a lot of people Mm. like you know finally uh, sad that we didn't get it but glad to have read it
1: yeah i was gonna say because i i don't i don't really i haven't played the half-lives to completion uh i I started (laughs) i started the first one um but obviously I wasn't playing it in the time in in the moment while it was having its moment and so um it was very much marooned from context and so it didn't really have the same pull or appeal and then I think I started to play Half-Life 2 because the orange box was a thing um but I just sort of you know, I got a certain amount of the way in, but again, it was just like, okay, well, I, I, I get it, but it's not... I I don't have a personal attachment here. Um, but I would say I really like um, uh, his uh, Instagram. He does amazing <laughs> pictures. Like, there's some really cool stuff on there. So uh, cool. I, just, I just really enjoy, like, what he does in a, like, personal capacity. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: I have had a weird thought <laughs> which is that uh half-life one was 1998 Life two was 2004 i believe is that right hmm. um so six years between them and uh a radioactive material that's decaying <laughs> 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 emits a particle on a semi-random basis but the average of that is where you get the half-life from hmm. <laughs> and so i'm wondering if the amount of half-life left was halved how long would it be before the next <laughs> particle was emitted and I guess it would be 12 years after 2004, which would be 2016. So not quite right. He's late. He's <laughs> but- late. That would have been perfect. <laughs> I don't think it makes any sense anyway, because emitting a particle would not halve the amount of remaining material unless there was only two particles mit- two Well, two hang on, it depends with.
1: who you mean is the particle. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> I'm
0: thinking a, a is game release a- is, is one particle.
1: <laughs> I see. Because I wondered if you meant, like, you know, if you're counting a writer as a particle. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Mark laws <is> was emitted today.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, like, you know how in um, GCSE maths lead. and things, they're like, you know, you take the point to be a particle, like, even if it, mm. you know, and it's not allowed to have specific bits of mass just mm. to, like, simplify the entire endeavor
0: yeah you spend all your uh, all your models revolve around things that not only do not exist but couldn't possibly exist yeah exactly <laughs> it's like
1: day. let's not take into account any of its like other properties <laughs> than the one that we want you to focus on for this equation
2: so you read it tom uh i skimmed it but i didn't want to hurt my own feelings with it (laughs) (laughs) because if it was just terrible or 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 if it really made me want half-life again then it would have just made me sad so i just sort of skimmed it and got an impression of it and it's inventive and cool i think it would have been like a a really interesting thing to do with it Hmm. um but now i think i it is a little bit of closure i didn't even really need closure but i think a lot of people on the internet have have wanted it for so long it's nice isn't
0: it yeah it's funny i don't um i'm not really bothered in any ongoing way about the lack of (laughs) Half-life <laughs> mm-hmm. stuff. It's like, you know, at the time, I was really excited to get to see the next episode, and I guess there was probably like one or two moments over the ne- following years when I thought, "Oh, I would like to know what happens there," mm-hmm. and I'm sad that I haven't yet. But after that, you know, I still want to play it, but I don't. Doesn't cause me ongoing pain. I don't like wake up in the night thinking, "Ah, but I don't know." <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's uh the cliff. I think for me, like cliffhangers have a very short-term effect. Like after about a week, I've forgotten what I was mm. waiting to hear about, mm. and um, I have to remind myself that episode two had a cliffhanger at the end of it, and it even that almost wasn't a, like a major event happened. Mm. It wasn't really like a huge uh question that was raised exactly. I,
2: I guess that's not the definition of cliffhanger, is it? But you know, there'd be a huge amount of like fallout emotionally, especially for the people you're attached to at the end of. That, yeah, end yeah. So I guess it you does to see what happens next. Certainly
0: time. does. Yeah, Uh strongly. Um, lead into uh, a moment that you don't get to see
1: i feel like i probably would have if i were mark i would have probably lost my temper years and years ago because i lose my temper over people leaving comments on valve related articles (laughs) that just make half life three half life three confirmed jokes Mm. all the time so can you imagine what it would be like being the person who wrote half life Mm. just having to deal with that on everything that you did i think i would probably have just lost my temper and just they all died oh
0: One of my least favourite things on the internet is people saying for any kind of news X confirmed question mark? Like if you have to put question mark on it, then no, it's not confirmed, is it? The whole point the only that is already a piece of news that is speculatively out there. The only further thing that can happen is for it to be confirmed. If it was confirmed, you wouldn't be asking the question because it would be confirmed. That's what the word confirmed means. People are bad on the internet
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: I figured that out
1: <laughs> In conclusion, I don't think that's news I don't <laughs> think we're allowed to pass that off as news It's internal human truth at this stage Move it to a
0: different <laughs> section, the internal human truth section
1: <laughs> Oh god the What
0: internal human truth have you been playing,
2: Tom? Uh, the truth is Excom 2, War of the Chosen Which ah. is the first major expansion for
0: Excom 2 Watka Watka, yeah mm. Yeah I like that. Vodka. <laughs> sounds like a mid-European liquor made with herbs.
1: Mm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Like the kind of vodka that you buy from Lidl or something. I could figure
2: out that was curiosity or disgust there, Pip. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I was like, oh, that I sounds either. interesting. <laughs> Botanicals.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah. Botanical vodka. Uh, X-Men more of the Chosen is about uh, three alien bosses called the Chosen who are these kind of bright blue-pink creatures. Who chose them? Uh, the Advent hierarchy, like the uh, the chief aliens of whoever's running. Uh, <laughs> chief, aliens. chief aliens. as they're is definitely Advent called. Is
1: Advent the... Are they the alien council on Earth? Or is this the human-alien collaboration council? So, I've forgotten yeah, everything I, th- I knew. I
2: think Advent is actually the human-alien kind of ruling class in, on planet okay. Earth now. That the aliens have taken over. And they're they're ruled by mysterious alien overlords that... May or may not see you know uh, higher up in the game, uh, but they've been they've appointed the chosen, who are these three like twelve foot tall, gangly fools who each have their own specialties. There's the assassin who can, uh, shoot your guys from really far away, and uh, they can also summon people. There's like the, the there's a psychic one, and there's a sneaky, huntery one. Um, and the idea is that they torment you throughout your Ace Combat Two campaign, which so is the same campaign but with loads of extra shit to to deal with, basically, mm. um, and. Whenever they appear, it's their job to try and daze one of your units and then steal them, so they can kidnap your soldiers and imprison them uh, in order to gain knowledge, which gets them extra abilities, which they can use to sap your resources. Um, They gain new abilities on the battlefield, and eventually they gain the ability to hunt down the Avenger, uh, which is your spaceship, base craft, and uh, attempt to destroy you. Basically. So all all three of them try to do that. They do, but they are in competition with one another. Which is the war of the chosen. <laughs> um, because they're basically the, it's that thing where you get three desperate creatures and you throw a stick in the middle and watch them kind of battle it out. So the alien, they're alien <laughs> yeah, I remember that from the alien overlords. As happens, you know, in all our lives. Um, and so basically their they're alien overlords have, have told them to prove themselves and, you know, you're the, only one could be chosen for ascension or whatever. Um, and so they all take up, set up different, um, they set up a shop in different parts of the world map. And if you take a mission in their zone, there's a, a chance they'll show up in your mission, basically. So it's semi-predictable. And they have, uh, randomly generated weaknesses and strengths as well. Hmm. Uh, and so one might be weak to explosion damage and they, they are all definitely weak to one of the new resistance faction heroes because in addition to the chosen, there are also three rebel factions who are awesome and like the best thing about the expansion. Um, there are the skirmishes who are human alien hybrids who have turned against the aliens and they are like super fast. They're, they have grappling hooks and they're kind of like, submachine gun that makes them really good up close and they're really super super mobile um, there are reapers uh, who hate the skirmishes because they mistrust them because they're aliens that's a bit of friction there and they've got sniper rifles they can move and shoot um, th- every time they do an action there's a 50 percent chance they just won't break stealth so they can stay in stealth for ages plus they've got some amazing abilities that they can do and still stay in stealth for example they could throw a claymore somewhere and then whenever you want they can shoot it and it explodes Hmm. and they never have to break stealth to do that and what's even better is they can throw the claymore and someone else on your team can shoot that claymore as (laughs) you know whenever you want so if if you you can use it to like block off areas use it to destroy buildings um all of the classes have like really inventive abilities that feel very different to everything else you have in xcom 2 and even in xcom and anyone known in its expansions as well um the third class uh, probably the most ridiculous are the templars who are psychic warriors who can unsheathe psychic blades from their <laughs> wrists <laughs> and their thing is that they they run out and they like beat the crap out of someone with the blades and if they hit them, um which they always do, it seems, <laughs> they get a free move afterwards. They can dart back into cover, mm. so they can just basically hit and run, and they're just insanely powerful. Uh, there's a move where, um as they hit people, they get more powerful, and they can unleash even more powerful psychic spells and stuff. So this is just mad stuff for XCOM. It's like stuff that none of your other soldiers can do. They're really, really different. Uh, and as you befriend each resistance group, you get one each of the soldiers, but as you do missions for them, you can also start recruiting them at will and build these just ridiculous, insane super squads. Um, to beat back the Chosen and defeat the enemy. Cool.
1: Is it worth playing, like, Vanilla XCOM 2? Like, is this a New Game Plus type thing, or is it, like, you should go and just play it as part of the game now that it exists?
2: You should definitely play Vanilla XCOM 2 a few times before (laughs) doing War of the Chosen, because it's Vanilla XCOM 2, but with loads of extra... Crap to deal with. So you're, you you kind of need to have a, a knowledge of the tech tree and, and, and what happens in the story and how to deal with it before you go into War of the Chosen.
1: So it's more new game plus eco. kind of
2: Yeah, very okay. much for experienced XCOM players, like people who have played at least like a couple of campaigns, so I'd say, and they're, they're used to all the, the gear arcs and stuff. Um, because it, it kind of, there's a bit of friction there with it, and part of the problem I had with it is that, is the, the old campaign and the new stuff is kind of slotted in between it mm. so you're doing a lot of the old stuff again you're doing the same old missions and the same old kind of uh research the same things and the the, the critical missions are pretty much the same though the chosen might turn up and mix it up a bit uh, and so it's equal parts quite familiar um but also and, and quite boring in that respect but also all the new, you keep playing it to see all the new stuff which is super super exciting um I would I think I would prefer it if they've integrated the chosen into a new campaign uh with like a similar length or a Mm. similar arc. Because Mm. I, I find that the new stuff actually bloats out the game in a way that makes it more arduous to play. Um you fight a lot more encounters in my experience because there's just so much more stuff to deal with in terms of the aliens are still doing uh, the Avatar Project, which is XCOM 2's big kind of doomsday clock that's ticking up. So you're constantly having to beat that down while also taking on the Chosen, while also fending off dark events, which are the thing that the Advent can do to cripple your resources. And the aliens have their own version of, the Chosen have their own version of their dark events where they can like sap your resources and stuff. So you have to deal with that as well. Soldiers that are kidnapped, you have to go and break out of jail. Uh, the Chosen and Advent are doing kind of terror attacks on your territories. And all of this shit is happening at the same time, basically. Uh, And that means that, like, a a day in
0: XCOM World of the Chosen feels like twice as much work, at least, as a day in XCOM 2. I was already feeling in XCOM 2 that, like, I'd just try and move my ship over to go get those supplies that were dropped. Mm. And, like, I get three centimetres in on screen and there's a big pop-up thing of, like, oh, this is happening over there, you got to deal (laughs) with that. And it's like, okay, we'll fly over there and deal with that. And then I get out of that and then immediately there's another thing. Oh, you got to fly over the other side of the world to deal with that. And then you do all that and then um like i can barely get to the supplies before the next supply drop happens (laughs) Mm. because there are so many interruptions the good news is they've slightly ameliorated that by just giving you loads more
2: ways to get supplies Hmm. so you're still getting those supply drops we have to fly over and suck them up with a big crane or whatever the hell's going on with that mechanic um but you can also do covert actions where you basically like devote a couple of soldiers to a mission and they'll go away for a week and they'll come back with a scientist or an engineer or supplies or they'll get you some intel on where the where the chosen are hiding, that kind of thing. Um, and there are also more missions that give you supplies, so that's slightly less frustrating. But there's still way more stuff being thrown at you all the time. It feels like, and it really, in my experience with the game so far, it's really slows down like the technology progression because stuff can take. 10 to 15 days to research, like good stuff. And that is a lot, that is many hours of play in War of the Chosen, whereas in XCOM 2 it wasn't. Right. I always felt that XCOM 2 was kind of, it was, it was always throwing bricks at you and that was kind of the style of the game. It was almost like a survival game basically where you, you you're constantly on edge having to perform well until you get a grip and then you slowly bring the fight back to them and eventually end up overpowered, which is the classic XCOM power arc whereas uh, that just feels like so much longer and more gruelling in a way in War of the Chosen. Um, but I think that the new toys and the cool new classes and all of the really fun new stuff they put in more than makes up for it, like the ability to make propaganda so- posters of your soldiers, <laughs> mm. which is really cool. It's yeah. really, really fun. Got a nice little the in there, and you can um, click on any of your soldiers at any time and make a poster of them. At the end of every mission, you can click a button, and it will show your squad in like a badass pose, and you can change <laughs> their pose and the backgrounds and put your own oh, custom excellent. messages on them. Uh and whenever your soldiers level up, it automatically generates them. Uh, and so you get like a, an album of like, uh, soldier shots that you, like, I just flicked through mine earlier today and it brought back memories of the campaign. <laughs> it's like, oh, I remember that time Phil Savage got horribly murdered by a cyborg alien. <laughs> and oh, I remember that time that some Roberts leveled up and gained, like, um, the murder killer catchphrase or whatever. <laughs> um, it, so it, it, it does, like, it does all, all this characterful stuff and it, your soldiers can form bonds now if they, Perform well together on the battlefield; they, and they're compatible. You can officially buddy them up.
0: Oh yeah, who got bonds on the PC Gamer team?
2: Oh, um, actually, like it was my It was quite sad, really, because none of my ordinary soldiers bonded, but the two super soldiers, like, the Templar <laughs> and the Reaper, bonded. Like the two special ones got together. Oh, no. and it was, They've got kind an elite of awkward. Club. Yeah, the,
1: oh, yeah. That's the worst. And they
2: were doing stuff like on the battlefield. That means that they can give each other actions, and all the other soldiers were like, oh, look, at, <laughs> get get those guys. <laughs> Uh, with their special powers and their extra abilities for being buddies. Oh, Super <laughs> magic special friends. Yeah. Um, anyone can form be, be buddies with anyone and weirdly you can train their buddiness up <laughs> by putting them in a room together. <laughs> I don't know what that process is but... Uh, just punch each other
0: and tell jokes. Trust exercises and things like that. Oh, yeah. oh, a
1: little trust falling exercise. That's never going to end well actually. No. That's
0: just the kind of animation they would do actually because they have loads of really cute character animation. Like if there's... Um, uh if one of your soldiers gets injured and you see them in the med bay, they'll often be one of your other soldiers kind of like encouraging them to get better and, um.
1: Aww. I yeah. Think, um, doesn't it also depend sort of what you like doing in XCOM 2? Because I think Adam Smith, uh, from RPS was saying that it, uh, it cancels out your ability to mod the game. So if, the mods were something that you were particularly into, like War of the Chosen kind of means that mm, that's if it all.
2: Does shut down the mods. Or whether basically they don't want people to be trying XCOM two mods with War of mm. the Chosen because they won't be compatible basically.
1: Yeah, maybe not. Or wonder
2: whether there'll be like a separate mod scene that will come up with it. Um because
1: yeah,
0: if, they've always been very pro mod, haven't they? They really have, yeah, yeah. Like
1: they buddied up with the um long war people, like for a semi official thing. Um mm. so yeah, like yeah, I'd be surprised if it was a, a long-term thing, but it's kind of, I think it was interesting to hear that because it was like, oh, okay.
2: <laughs> yeah, I kind of think that's, I assumed that was a housekeeping thing where they mm. don't want people to try putting these gear mods into War of the Chosen where there's loads of new gear that might break the game
0: that have a, give people a bad experience. They yeah. also, uh they've added some of the uh things that mods added <laughs> yeah <laughs> why can't i say that more elegantly? like the thing of when you plan to move somewhere it oh, tells God, yeah. you whether you'll be flanking people mm, yeah
1: okay so the quality of life mods probably wouldn't yeah apply mm. like, well some of them I'm some, sure would yeah
2: yeah the um that is one of the best little up- updates Whenever you mouse over a, a square you can hold down tab and it'll show a little lady in faces and if if they're yellow means that's a flanking position also means they probably have a flanking position on you if you move there so it's like a, a a defensive offensive thing it's just a vital piece of information in the game um other stuff they haven't fixed so for example in stealth uh you still get these like really bullshit situations where you'll move someone up to the edge of the fog of war um but if you're in if you're in stealth mode before stealth has been broken all of the squares on the map on the grid on the floor grid are color-coded red ones are overseen by an enemy and blue ones are safe um but you can move to a blue one on the edge of the fog of war the fog of war can move three squares to reveal a turret and yeah. then the then the game puts down the turret's field of view and it breaks it's total bullshit because you know yeah. that soldier can see that turret it's fine and you sh- i don't see any disadvantage just showing the uh, them as red and letting you know that there's an enemy up ahead because once stealth is broken. It's, it's a special ability to get back into the stealth that only a few units have. So why not let players have the cool badass sneaking up on the aliens and breaking stealth and with loads of overwatch moment and just give them the information. I don't understand it, whether it's design decision or something that's just hasn't been implemented. So they haven't fixed that one. No, no. And also, also because the stuff like the prison breakout missions, uh, are like, they're dedicated stealth missions. So you send like three dudes to break out someone. So it's a smaller squad as well. Um, and that's when it really, it happens a lot because that it's just a big compound full of turrets and turrets mm. are the most boring enemies that so they just sit there and mm. ruin your time basically. And they they can't even do anything. They just uh, you know, break your stealth, and it's annoying. Um so yeah, unfortunately they've not fixed that, which is irritating. Um but uh the new stuff is still really good, including the zombies they've added. <laughs> <laughs> there are lost cities full of lost humans uh who are basically zombies they've just like, been exposed to alien magic for too long they've got a bit, got a bit wrong <laughs> and now they just have to charge at you in droves um they come infinitely it seems like you can never defeat the lost they always just they're just like weather on the map they'll just keep on coming <laughs> uh, if you use a grenade or an explosion even more will come through the <laughs> size of the map they come in like squads of like five or six um and I was in one amazing fight where, uh, a Chosen had shown up and I had to rescue a, a VIP. There was only one street back to the, my extraction point and all the lost were charging from everywhere. Uh, there's so many lost arrived that, uh, the Chosen started getting swamped, even if you was still trying to kill me, because the lost attack aliens <laughs> as much as they attack you. Uh, and the, the, the Chosen had mind controlled. PC Gamer editor, Samuel Roberts, who was a grenadier. uh, And Sam turned around and uh the VIP and two of my other guys. And the explosion drew like 20 zombies. Oh my God. (laughs) Uh, And they had to like limp back as all these zombies came in. And then Sam's mind control broke and he was in the middle of the zombie horde and they were all just like crowding around him. So I had my like three wounded dudes with sniper rifles and assault rifles picking off zombies as he was like rushing back to the extraction point. Uh, And the neat thing about zombies in XCOM... To war of the chosen is that uh they're really used to hicks they don't obviously they don't, never take cover mm. so they're probably like 80 percent chance of a hit and whenever you get a hit you get another free action so mm. the idea is that you keep on killing until you have out of clip and then that's the end of your turn then the next guy just keeps on running until they're out of clip and it creates this kind of zombie fantasy where wow. they're backing away and just kind of like you know emptying all their getting, huh. their guns and then drawing pistols and then reloading desperately and that kind of thing it's really 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 well executed and um they're aren't too many of them for them to lose their novelty especially when like these weird three-way scenarios start happening. Uh, it's a really cool way of demonstrating that like XCOM 2 or XCOM is a formula still has more in it to give in terms of scenarios and types of yeah. combat um which is something that I didn't expect from the expansion
0: at all. Does the uh, the bonding stuff does that actually uh, is that fed by particular actions you do on the field or is it just random? I can't tell. It seems to just be random. It
2: seems to be like, it's described almost like affinity as though these two people happen to have a spark for some reason. Right. Uh, though it's awesome once, uh, two soldiers are bonded. If, uh, they're both on the field and one of them gets killed, the other one goes into a frenzy and just empties their <laughs> clip onto all the a-
0: aliens around them, which is, uh, <laughs> which is brilliant. That's great. Yeah. Well done for thinking of that crisis. I always wanted it to be a bit more responsive to what I do in the, in the field, you know, like my stories about my soldiers always came from that. It would be like mm. that time when this soldier saved that soldier. Now in my head, they have a bond and previously XCOM didn't acknowledge that in any way. Um, and now that it does, I was kind of hoping it would, it would play off those same events. Like mm. if, if you carry an injured soldier to safety, those two should have a bond, right? Um, but I wonder if, if they did stay away from that, I imagine it's probably because it was exploitable. You know, if, once mm. you know the rules, then it means that it's always advantageous <laughs> to just you know, intentionally incapacitate one of your own people and then carry them back to the, <laughs> so, the ship. Everyone's in love now. <laughs> they've all been through <laughs> the same love.
2: devastating experience. <laughs> <laughs> Which I caused. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I wonder if there would be like an uh an opposite version where they're like you'd have the two people that were just so passive aggressive towards each other the entire <laughs> time like really reluctant to save each other unless absolutely necessary <laughs> never want to sit next to each other on a like on a drop you know just like of oh, god's sake
0: that would be kind of great too like it you know someone's bleeding to death and the only person with the med kit is the one who hates them and they have to kind of grudgingly go over and save like them eye them rolls it's as they administer
1: <laughs> the but med there's this
0: sort of like touching moment where you know they have to show that yeah i guess i do care about this person <laughs>
1: <laughs> like really gruff and really cross
2: Afterward, they'll say like you know don't ever forget i did this for you <laughs> <laughs> yeah. don't
1: ever tell anyone i did this for <laughs> <you>. <laughs> yeah.
2: i wish there's uh some more there's loads of new dialogue in it but i wish, I wish there was more of it um, um a lot of it is just the chosen ranting at you and it's it's the most cliched stuff you can imagine them ranting at you We're not it's so
0: different you and i
2: <laughs> that, like the assassin
1: Human. Or, yeah
2: <laughs> You're fighting for your species and I am fighting for mine. Oh my god. That kind of stuff. Um, which is a shame. And there's this resistance radio, which is a really nice idea. Uh, where if you zoom into the, the bar where you can see your dude chatting and access your um, memorial wall of sadness, uh, there's always, you can hear these radio reports, like, uh, but they're like a bit cringe-worthy stuff like, you know, I really fancy that commander. Uh, that kind of stuff. I've never That's seen good. him, but That's he's so really good, good at report. killing Advent. <laughs> <laughs> I was like,
1: ah. <laughs> Is this uh, fan fiction? Is it, it's a,
2: a little bit fan fiction yeah. That's a good way of describing <laughs> it, actually. Um, so that, that's not so well executed. But it's not really like, in your face, so it's not like a, a, much of a bugbear-y does it affect the base building stuff at all uh so that's all the same and i really i'm not a fan of the base building anyway in the the core game and mm. it's almost gotten worse because they've added more buildings but it's still just as annoying to clear the crap <laughs> fucking yeah space waiting out of the for those yeah. debris to clear and because you know, the same thing problem having science feels like it takes ages to research now because you're doing like three or four missions um when you would might have been doing one or two before uh like a clearing space just takes absolutely forever mm. and the it's really annoying how s- thinly spread the functions are between the rooms so expansion has like three new rooms i think one that's has got the resi- uh, the, res- the resistance ring and that's that's essential because that lets you do covert actions that hunt down the chosen and, and give you extra extra supplies it's just an integral part of the expansion. So you've got to build it you've got to build the gorilla training school because that's what increases sure. your squad size so you just have to build that um and then there's stuff like the infirmary, which is a really nice idea. Cause like you can put troops in there. And if they've, if they're suffering from psychological ailments or too much fighting, which is a new thing in War of the Chosen, you can cure them. And um, also it'll halves their, their healing time. So if you've got like a really, you know, vital couple of soldiers, you can put them in there, but that's a whole room. And you look at it, it's like, oh, that's never really going to be worth it compared to all the other crap I have to build. Cause you still have to build resistance comms stuff. Mm. There's so much mandatory stuff. It's just, it's not, I don't think it's, I feel like it's, I think I feel like it's the weakest
0: part of the game, to be honest. It's funny the you know, they have that philosophy of a series of interesting decisions. Yeah. And it feels like a lot of those things are not, they're just mandatory, Yeah, you know. it, it's, it's not a, an interesting decision whether to build this. It's just a gating mechanism. Yeah. And a really sluggish one now in World of the Chosen because
2: the the new pacing.
0: Can you, um, does it have like custom difficulty settings? Can you adjust the rate of science independently <laughs> of <around> other <laughs> things? Don't believe so. Um, I have some weird memory of that being an option, but maybe it's just that's what playing on easy does or something yeah i'm not aware of that that doesn't mean that oh and I, i'm probably just thinking of Civ actually because <laughs> 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 that's the like you know it's quite strange to have an expansion where instead of a new campaign it's just the old campaign but with extra stuff seeded in mm-hmm. and they've the best point of comparison for it really is Civ, which is also for access where you know when they're doing an expansion it's not actually a new you know uh, goal or or a um, campaign it's you play Civ, but there's a bunch of extra stuff seeded throughout but XCOM is, is a bit different in that it is a story that they, they oh. are are scripted. Well, yeah, there, there are key moments in the story that will always unfold the same way. Um, and so it's maybe a bit more conspicuous to be replaying that.
2: Yeah, and the expansion does add new story stuff. So there's new cutscenes, and there's new, and they're really good, actually. They're really kind of characterful. They do a really good job of introducing the new factions and um, the new Chosen at the same time. There's sort of like a really good sequence where there's a big standoff on a bridge between the Chosen assassin and the new resistance members you've just met. Some really good. Um, it's re- some really nice world building, actually. Like I-, I remember writing one of my kind of first impressions posts that like it feels like I would read a series of comics set in the XCom universe <laughs> now because of all these new, very colourful characters and uh, a really quite a cool world state where you know resistance fighters battling these really colourful weird aliens is, is 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 quite a vivid fantasy. I liked it. I think it's, it's good, but I think I had more issues with it than most of the reviews I read. I think. All right. Mm. Maybe that's just me. Maybe I'm just really impatient.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Bit poor, what have you been playing? Uh,
1: you have a choice of two <laughs> things. I have been playing, um, Destiny 2, oh, wh- uh, the beta on PC. Um, but last week I was also playing, um, the Pillars of the Earth, which is the, Sort of point and click um, Daedalus version of Ken Follett's massive historical novel about building cathedrals in the 12th century. So either of them, <laughs> that we the, can talk about. the first one,
2: the first one. Sorry, second <laughs> one, I meant
1: second
2: one. That one you just said. Same so, kind of yeah. genre then.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. it's with much of a muchness really, I've been <laughs> very much hammering that genre. Um so I haven't, I hadn't read the book, um but I gather it's tonally a bit different because the book is apparently a lot more relentlessly grim and has other kind of, uh, I think Game of Thrones kind of Mm -hmm. like some of the, the brutality from that and like sexual assault and things. And so I think the book is a lot more sort of replete with that. Whereas the, the version that's been made into this game, um, is more sort of, I I think it has taken on board some of the criticism and like rebalanced (coughs) things for like how it would then come across in obviously a different format, different medium. Um, but, yeah, so it's being released as a kind of season. Um, so the section that's currently out is chapters one to seven, and then there'll be another two chunks to follow. And you spend your time alternating between three protagonists. One is a monk called Philip of Gwyneth, and he is sort of... he goes to a priory and finds it in disrepair and the, um, the prior has died and, you know, they're looking to elect a new one and all of that kind of stuff. So there's instantly like that politics there, but also, um, you know, what, what is going on and why has everything fallen into disrepair and what happened to the prior and, you know, all of that stuff. Um, and then you also play as uh a guy called tom builder who is a master builder who is sort of intent on building a cathedral like that that is his tom builder
0: tom builder well as
1: in he's tom the master builder and obviously like surnames came about through people's professions and stuff so he's referred to as tom builder at points (laughs) um and so he uh it starts off with him sort of desperately trying to work out what to do in the woods as his family as sort of um struggling and he hasn't found work for ages and you know all of that kind of stuff um and the last person is a boy called Jack who is living in the woods with his mum as a kind of outcast slash outlaw kind of duo um and so they kind of meet in various permutations and there's shenanigans going on with local like landowners and the bishop and you know all of this stuff um and uh it, it is one of those sort of historical novels so it's all very sort of tied into this period of time um sort of maybe the the 50 years uh leading up to oh, um, you know, uh in the middle of the 12th century. Um, so I've forgotten the... I think there's like official title of it. I think it's called the Anarchy in terms of the historical period. Um, so, yeah, and it was kind of really interesting because it... Obviously, the, the idea that these people or some of these people are going to be building a cathedral is, you know, the, the linchpin of this stuff, but also there's lots of political and religious or religious political, like machinations and, um, plottings. And you are keeping an eye on who you are making allegiances to and Mm. little decisions and things like that. Um, I, one thing that I'm not sure about is how much you actually get to affect what happens. Because obviously there's this, you know, hugely well-regarded and well-known book that it plays out from. And so I'm imagining that you can't really make much meaningful, Mm. like there's not much meaningful decision-making unless you start diverging and I don't know whether it would. So I don't know whether it then becomes more about the nuances that you apply to particular characters, like whether you choose to be nice to fellow monks or whether you choose to be a bit of a Burke or whether you want to like um, choose to play like the the politics game or whether you want to sort of try and live a, you know, religious kind of, Existence and sort of more of a kind of in keeping with the vows of poverty and obedience and things like that. So is
2: it done through like a series of conversations? How is it kind of structured?
1: So it's got that pointing clickiness. The interface has been quite stripped down, which I liked. Um, in that, so to take the monk as the example, you'll have him on the screen and you can sort of click to move him around or double click to you know, quick travel through a door or whatever. Um And you can left click to talk to people. But you can right click to sort of see what he's thinking, which is kind of interesting, because it doesn't give you full sentences, it gives you like snippets of, you know, a response to something. And sometimes they're kind of considered. But sometimes it's like, you know, if somebody's panicking, it'll be the same thought over and over again. And there's a kind of a really pleasing urgency to that. Um, and you can also just sort of left click on a thing and then use it on a person to like ask them about it, like ask them about a particular plot point. Um, and with the monk, you can also click on your little Bible in your inventory and click on a person or a thing. <laughs> and like it sort of discusses scripture a little bit. Like, and I oh, wow. just thought that was quite a nice touch. You know, it's just like a tiny thing, but Absolutely. it was quite sweet. Um, so I found it a lot more easy to deal with than other point and clicks i'd say it kind of felt like a good um a nice approach that wasn't too overwhelming and you never have too many billions of things in your inventory that you're suddenly (laughs) going oh god why do i have a pebble what
0: (gasps) (laughs) just keep using the bible on them exactly
1: um so yeah there was a lot of nice things within that and also it's kind of it's a an art style that i kind of associate more with um, the Osborne books that were aimed at slightly older children or like, you know, there's a kind of, um, grim sort of browns and greens and sort of that pale wintry light to it mm. in a kind of like not bright and beautiful way. Um, and I think that's partly because obviously you start in winter, but also because it's a really dark point. Because there's no electricity, you know, things like you get these huge buildings that. It's
2: the bloody you, anarchy, isn't it? In what? winter
1: and <laughs> exactly.
2: <laughs> not, for, not familiar with the source material, but this sounds like a really cool setting for an adventure
1: Yeah. So it was, I've, I was really enjoying it and it's actually quite pacey because I was also wondering whether it was going to be one of those ponderous things. And the, I think the, the first of his books from that series is like, you know, nearly a thousand pages or so. It was one of those, like, yeah. proper tome kind of thing. Um, so I was wondering whether it was just going to get bogged down in itself. But actually they've done, at least so far, it feels like they've done a good job at keeping things moving and keeping it sort of going. Because I I think I got through the seven chapters in an afternoon or it would have been an afternoon if I hadn't had to keep, like, dealing with work emails or whatever else. So. <laughs> Yeah, so I was really interested to see how that went. Um, I reviewed it for RPS and I did say, um, that one thing I didn't think was flagged up just because the game doesn't put the Peggy rating on the Steam page, but also because the Peggy rating itself is unclear. So it's kind of like, you know, I just thought it was worth flagging up is that it does deal with, um, it m- makes explicit like verbal references to sexual assault and things Mm. um in a way that i wouldn't have expected just based on the peggy warning because it's like it's a 16 plus game but they just say strong language and like realistic looking violence and so i didn't feel Mm. like that quite covered it and i think it might affect whether some people you know either want to play it or want to be in a particular mindset when they play it or whether they buy it for someone else you know Hmm.
2: what's it called
1: sorry uh ken follett's the pillars of the earth is the full title on steam okay and i think that you pay full price for it but it's it works as a season pass Hmm. so yeah you don't have to pay that again i don't think it's just like a yeah
0: Hmm. how long does it take to build a cathedral
1: Um, it depends on the cathedral and your budget and your workforce. Um, so I think in, in my playthrough for this, I think I ended up setting out the budget for the longer time frame, but with fewer people because that worked out at like an affordable amount for the monk to say yes. Um, I think it should take about 30 years in the game, but there are cathedrals out there that are being, still being under construction or reconstruction or renovation. Like it takes hundreds of years and you're still adding bits and you're always adding bits. So. (laughs) Cigarada
2: Familia in Spain has got to be one of the longest still
1: it's still not finished still not
2: finished <laughs> looks amazing but you know but
1: like and Canterbury Cathedral is like permanently being like you know having the roof fixed yeah, or like you know yeah. it's, they basically work their way round and then have to start again it's like a house you redecorate
2: your bathroom then you do the living room and then you exactly. do the toilet and you have to do the bathroom again you know? but
1: like and there's always like oh we'll just add this chapel here and it has like no bearing on the architecture for the rest of the <laughs> thing and then people are like oh yeah but we really need a tower or this thing's falling off so let's just do it differently <laughs> and like the whole thing just ends up they're they can, amazing jigsaws of stuff.
2: They're quite monstrous actually, I find. Like, mm. Just the ego the egos of people who
0: used to build them were just like so but like, then a different ego would come in and build a tower that just looks really different. It's so strange. I just I asked that question because I love hearing about anything that takes longer to make than heat signature did. <laughs> and listening to that whole conversation is the filter of game development in mind is uh there's are amazing parallels. <laughs> oh yeah. You just want sort to of add one more thing, it's made by these terrible egos. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so sometimes architects would just get like swapped out, or would like would fall off the scaffolding and get horribly mangled. It's happened a lot and- with signature, <laughs> <symmetry, actually. Yeah. laughs> <laughs> exactly. Was there any consumption by any chance? <laughs> <laughs> uh, the plague, the restoration of the monasteries, another normally. plague. Yeah. The um yeah, all, all of the things. Yeah. <laughs> so uh you've got what twenty-eight more years left to go before. <laughs>
0: Yep. I went to see this, uh, stop me, I've told this on the podcast before, uh, I went to see this sh- uh, ship in Stockholm uh, on our way back from Stuggen and we stopped off at Stockholm and um, they have an amazing museum uh, devoted to a ship called the Vasa, um, which is one of those sort of spectacular, ornate battleships you've ever seen. Every inch of it is engraved with beautiful carvings and it's been restored uh, amazingly well. Um and at some point in the tour, I asked how long it took to build, and they said two years. I was like, fuck. <laughs>
1: That's
0: less. Oh, no. But after they launched it, um, it sunk within half an hour. <laughs> it was very, very big, very, very tall. Oh, and wow. when um, uh, they opened all of its cannon windows to fire uh, a sort of, you know, celebratory shot to celebrate its launch... Uh, and then there was a slight breeze, and uh, because it's so tall, the effect of that breeze on the top of the masts was extreme, oh, and it wow. listed enough that those open cannon windows just let water in and the whole thing wow, just sunk. No. And then it stayed at the bottom of the sea for, I think, 200 years. Oh, <laughs> so, wow. fingers crossed for a better launch. <laughs>
1: yeah. That's an amazing story. Did you want to talk a little bit about Des Tiny 2, or... Like, I'm just wondering whether this, you played it, um, before, didn't you? You did like a preview. So yeah. I was wondering whether this beta had proven, like, had, had prompted any further thoughts or whether you'd.
2: I think the main thing is that, um, so I played it at the launch event and they've actually extended th- that mission a lot since the launch event. Oh, okay. So there's a, there's a few extra combat encounters and rooms and things in there, um, which actually brought it to like a more satisfying 20 minute length where I was really worried that uh, in the original Destiny, a lot of the missions were very, very short. Um, so, and it's in the kind of the fallow years between expansions, they would become like you learn every single inch of them, and it wasn't wasn't really enough. So I'm glad to see they've ex- extended it a little bit. I've also had more time in the Crucible, which I didn't have much time at the event to do. Uh,
1: okay.
2: Uh, so that's probably the place where I'm I'm most uneasy about destiny 2 at the moment compared to my experiences with the first game mm. uh, but though it's very hard to tell with one map in one mode obviously but uh
1: how so yeah. like which one were you playing were you playing control or were you playing charge
2: so in the the preview event um I played the new game mode which is like a I think it's like oh
1: countdown like
2: yeah which' is the kind of counter strike style one where yeah. there, are, there are bomb placements and you have to go and uh, there attackers and defenders uh, it's like counter strike basically um but this is just a straightforward control. I've been playing on the PC beta.
1: Oh, okay, yeah, because they've got the competitive one, which is the oh, yeah, like, I've not done that one yet. a charge and then. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I've, yeah, I've not done that one yet. So, but, um, control is what I always used to play in Destiny 1. That was my kind Same. of comfort food. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and I could just like, um, uh, me and like Phil and a bunch of people just drop in and play control after the pub on Friday nights. And that was just a really, really fun way to play PvP. Um, I find, I automatically find it harder with mess keyboard, obviously.
1: Yeah. But, I would,
2: uh, but harder than I even thought. Cause I'm not awful at shooters. I'm not very good at shooters, but.
1: Do you think the key hmm. bindings don't work? Oh make yeah, sense. those don't work.
2: No. Um, <laughs> no, I, I had to rebind everything. Um, so you've got a dodge move now, like a mid-air dodge move. and I
1: can't. I just can't. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and so you're on WASD. And if you want to dodge sideways, you know, where where would you put that? Probably on your little finger or thumb, perhaps, so that you could press. I'd probably try and
1: treat it as like a strafe, so I'd probably put it on Q, except Q's your grenade.
2: And it's also your left button, so you can't dodge left if it's on Q. Anyway, they put it on X. (laughs) So if you want to dodge right, you have to press... D and X at the same what? time. So, I mean, it's, it's just a mess. Um, but I mean, to be fair, all the key bindings are, uh, rebindable. So I immediately put, I don't know where the hell they put melee. I think it was on C or it B was or on something. C. C. <laughs> uh, so it's that's, so,
1: that's on one of my thumb mouse button. Things. Yeah,
2: that's what I've done as yeah. well. Is there a crouch? Uh, uh, yeah. a
1: shift, isn't
2: it? Uh, yeah, crouch toggle, I think. Or, and you, yeah. Uh, I mean, credit to it. Like, there are a lot of options in there to fix it for yourself, but, um, so I'll probably end up putting the dodge on the middle mouse button or something.
1: Uh,
2: but yeah, that, that stuff is a bit weird. It does feel nice though. Like, once you actually kind of get it set up for yourself, I feel like the, like the mouse looks super smooth. It runs beautifully on, on my machine at least, and it seems to be very scalable down to very, very yeah, low yeah. powered machines.
1: I think Alec made it run on like an integrated. Oh, really? Laptop. Wow.
2: That's, uh, that's really impressive. Um, So technically they've done a fantastic job with it and it looks beautiful. It really looks really, really good. And it's it's a novelty to simply be playing Destiny at 60 frames per second, actually more like 160 based (laughs) on how well it was running. Uh, And that was was wonderful. But I I do wonder more about the design of 4v4 as as a PvP
1: Yeah, I'm not sold on 4v4. Like, Mm. some bits of it seem to work. And, it like, I think... I wonder whether they're trying to make you have more meaningful encounters with people. Like, if there's fewer people, then there's more likelihood of you ending up in that sort of weird rivalry of like, oh, you've killed me three times. I now really want to kill you or Mm. like, you know, starting to maybe work together because it doesn't just feel like a mash of bodies. And I think I was reading some comment of someone saying that they quite liked it because it wasn't like, it would hopefully be less about people trying to get a high KD Mm. because you know, if there's more people on the field, then you know you just get people who just want to pick people off and spend their time doing that because it's easier to do it in control than it is in.
2: Yeah, you can just camp somewhere with a sniper rifle, and about five or six heads are going to be running past every couple of minutes, right? right? You to get your KD. Yeah. It's interesting that they've um, scrapped KD as a, a metric. So when the um, screen flashes up at the end, and they give you like a load of stats, including how many people you've killed, how many pa- uh, sort of um, caps you've done. Uh, but they sum it all up in an efficiency rating. Mm. Some mystery algorithm that says that I'm 1.38 efficient in this game for some reason. I've (laughs) no idea what it means. (laughs) I whether
1: that was the KD. Like, I Mm. keep forgetting to check, like, the maths of it, because I'm wondering whether it's like, yeah, if that's still just a KD, it's like, pfft
2: yeah <laughs> I, I, yeah I, I can't see the language i mean it still shows you how many people you've killed so people will still be like rating themselves comparing themselves on those metrics which everyone does in shooters
1: oh for sure
2: but there's clearly there's at least like, tried to make an attempt to change the language to something that it feels a little bit more like a, oh you played this team game well as a team
1: yeah i think it's just the things that are making me wary are, are because i cannot get my you know because you can't wiggle anything around in a meaningful way by changing stats or picking your loot quite carefully or your armor like for what you specifically want to do you can't spec for a thing um because it's just a beta it's so impossible for me to tell whether the fact that i find the movement slow Hmm. like it feels really sluggish but i don't know whether that's a thing over which i will have much control ultimately yeah and like it feels like it takes forever for my space magic to charge up and i don't know how much i can affect that because i get that maybe you want to make you know a nova bomb feel more like a special event Mm. rather than just a thing you have at your disposal every 20 (laughs) seconds or something but at the same time, it, it's a bit like, okay, well, what game are we playing now? Like, if if it's going to be a thing that, for example, we play it after the pub on a Friday night, but mm. it feels a lot less rambunctious and a lot more sort of slowed yeah. down, then is that the same thing? I, I
2: worry that, like, there was, <laughs> frankly, like, there's the bottom tier of Destiny PvP, which is where I was, <laughs> uh, <laughs> where it was just really fun carnage, like oh, yeah. lots of supers going off. I didn't, really, and the respawn time was so short um that it didn't really matter if you get killed by a, a Nova bomb or some bullshit. You just come back and kind of, you know, try and get your positioning right and have fun. Um And uh, if you wanted to go beyond that, there were options for you in Destiny. You'd go into more competitive. You go to Iron Banner. You could go into like um, Trials, of Trials of Osiris, which is like a really hardcore three v three, really intense, and you know, full of really people who are really good at shooters. Uh, and so it felt like all those levels were cover- covered. I, th- if, I worry that if they've changed the base layer. Mm. into this more kind of hardcore thing that I, like I've lost my fun post pub game. I but, wonder
1: whether yeah. they would have other options for that. Cause it's like I said, it's just so hard to tell with what little is in mm. the thing and not having a sense of how your build affects things. But you know, cause it might just be that they, that control is now a bit slower and a bit more serious, but maybe they would also have like something that does cater to that. Like, mm. you know, as in control, but you know, an ultra rapid fire kind of mode of yeah. it or a rotating like brawl kind of thing because mm. it is a ultimately a battle net thing now. So yeah. the, the weekly hero brawl is mm. probably going <laughs> be to be thing, coming right? to this thing.
2: Yeah. And also they've for that Destiny one where they introduced mayhem, mm. which was, I mean, given how mad control was, you know, on in pub servers, um, like mayhem was just a mess a, yeah. a really entertaining mess yeah. <laughs> and uh iron banner mayhem was just a thing of joy you what was those? mayhem uh mayhem is basically everyone's two tu- uh, supers superpowers recharge like 10 times the rate oh, right. so they're just like mad fireballs going off everywhere everyone gets to use all their special abilities all the time and it's just a total bun fight like <laughs> there's no logic to it
1: imagine being a um radianced warlock at that point like do well, you, I was. Are, you, are you just <laughs> you basically never die. A, a machine gun of like yeah, golden yeah. light at that point it's uh it's so
2: much fun. i actually used to love going radiances um in pvp radiance by the way is um warlocks used to be able to bring themselves back to life as their special. And while, when they came back to life, they came back to life on fire and could throw infinite grenades in, for a period. Oh, yeah. As, it's just the ultimate fuck you, basically. Like, you killed me, now everyone's dead on fire. And um, also
1: it used to enable a whole bunch of, like, real cheese strategies oh, yeah. for yeah. some of the raids. It was like, oh, the enemy stop spawning if you die. And then so you'd have somebody, like you know who was a warlock Mm -hmm. die and then resurrect after all the enemies had died and then bring everyone back to life and you just stroll over into the thing you're like yeah bye (laughs) yeah i
2: completely understand why they got rid of the ability for someone to for free come back to life (laughs) in a video game (laughs) uh it caused all sorts of design problems for them um but it was great in pvp because like there was some sort of skill to using it like you could wait until they'd turned away and thought you were actually dead and actually surprise them, come back to life. And you could charge someone down and uh, in that mode, if you punch, fire punch them, you get like an extra health bar on top of your health bar. Mm-hmm. So you do these mad charges into someone and they're just like shooting you, shooting you, shooting you, then you punch them, get all your health back, destroy them, and then start throwing grenades. At all it makes <laughs> really, really fun. Uh, I love Destiny.
1: Yeah, like you'd have, to, you'd sometimes like check people's builds beforehand, like in the moments when you were waiting. Oh, yeah. And then like, if you knew that they had Radiance warlocks on their team you just have to camp the bodies <laughs> like it's like for god's sake just make sure god yeah, yeah that's great. well like sometimes people would accidentally like use their super and you're just like oh that's embarrassing you're, <laughs> just, you're just a warlock on fire you came on fire. <laughs>
2: went on fire too soon how awkward
1: but yeah so yeah like I, it's just one of those weird things where it's like you really feel so unable to judge the full game yeah. of the thing it really is just a beta at this point i'm like okay <laughs>
2: it also um like in infrastructure terms so it's using Blizzard's battlenet platform now um and whereas like everyone just has a global account apparently only match makes you people in your region well
1: because you have to select america or europe for the for the for your beta beta account. at the moment oh, I see. so like you know how when um when you can click on the big play button there's a drop down just above that like oh, there is right. for all of the blizzard games where you just select your region from mm. it and i know that um chris was saying that that was one of the things which is swaying him towards the ps4 thing is because you know it's it, it's an extra layer of faff to be able to then play with your friends um yeah they Do you, are from different regions
0: does it use your battle net friends list uh,
1: well i think so yeah, because it, yeah. it was telling me that you were online yeah <laughs> Tom. i had um
2: i had a former peace game editor uh web editor and current moyang supremo uh, owen hill messaging <laughs> me saying tom Where's, where's, where are all the kids these days? Are they on the PS4 or on the, on the PC? <laughs> I mean, there's no answer to that Yeah, It's not even out. Uh, it is, is out on PS4 next week, I believe.
1: 6th of September, I believe. And uh, then it's yeah, October it's for, for us or for PC. So,
2: I mean, I'm buying it on both platforms. It's just that no one's
0: going to do- stop <laughs> me. I wasn't going to try.
1: <laughs> I was going to say, I'll probably end up needing to have it on PC for work related things yeah. and then on PS4 for post pub. Related things exactly, <laughs> and for actual, I love my warlock. Don't ever let me leave. Yeah, you know.
2: yeah. Uh, lovely warlocks.
1: Although so I started playing as a titan today because I figured I'd try. You're cheat I'd on your try, warlock on PC. <laughs> well, this is the thing. I thought because I was considering a piece about how I will go so far as to try a titan, but I will never be a hunter. <laughs> um, but then I accidentally activated my um, the new uh, titan super which essentially turns him into a purple captain america Mm. and he's got like a uh, or she whichever you go for uh you can't control it in the beta but um has like this shield that you can i think you can throw it and chain it at people um but i had not got as far as mastering that because i hadn't even checked the key bindings for things that you might (laughs) do with a shield that i didn't even remember i had um and ended up just sort of like inexpertly chasing a I think, a hunter around um, just swatting at him like he was a fly with my shield and then, like, after this had gone on for a comedically long time, managed to pulverize him against a wall just as the super was running out and then, about ten seconds later, the, um, the PvP match ends and Shax who's the guy who is, like, controlling the crucible and, like, doing all of this stuff is just like, yes, this victory really bodes well for, I was like are you being sarcastic? <laughs> Were you watching that? This is ridiculous.
0: Are they is it the same
2: three classes? It is. They they've had all their supers changed um which is an important like you can you've got character builds in destiny and that affects their supers um which can do anything from he used to be able to bring you back to life but most of them now have just like a big ranged attack that seems to be one of the default ones but a few of them will have like deep defensive ones Titans yeah. used to be able to throw up like a big energy bubble around themselves and that would buff people who go into it. That used to be a key part of raids where you'd have to bubble, a Titan would have to bubble up at a really key moment in order for everyone to get in and charge up and defend against a, a boss attack that kind of stuff.
1: I think they still have it because when I was playing as the Warlock it defaults you to the new um your new uh, <coughs> abilities and stuff but I could change it back To the void stuff, so I could change it back to having Nova bomb and stuff like that. Although that moved about as slowly as a slug in a hurricane. Yeah, it's Um, they've changed
2: it so it's now um, the size of a planet, but and
0: moves about as fast as a planet.
1: Uh, Wait, so, planets sorry. move very
0: very fast <laughs> so, number one a slug in a hurricane would move very very fast if was picked up by the hurricane it number depends. two planets move incredibly fast yeah, I'm
1: imagining the slug trying to go into the hurricane shut up Tom <laughs> no, don't I don't need this
2: I realise this is always saying it how wrong that was uh, the, the speed of a balloon uh, of a, a gently drifting balloon, on a balloon, balloon <laughs> in, in, in a meadow where there's hardly any wind <laughs>
1: good is yeah it's so it's laughably so i just i let it go assuming mm. it would do what it used to do and then you stand there just, like, what i think what we this? all just stood there watching it really slowly approach its destination as everybody that was at the destination just moved out and of just, the like, way watched it. I was like, and what? we all just went oh well never mind yeah
0: <laughs> still I'm, I'm still looking forward to the game <laughs> Yeah. That's super. super. Yeah. We all got, Chai did an English class for, um, uh, misinterpreting a text that, uh, referred to something as going at glacial pace. And right. most of us thought that meant it was fast. I don't know why. Really? It sounded like it was like sliding or something. Glacial. <laughs> uh, and it was pointed out to us that it uh, referred to the rate at which a glacier expands or, you know, creeps, <laughs> yeah. um, which is very, very slow. Mm. You could use glacial for the speed of this <laughs> thing. Ever glacial ever uses Nova glacial
1: bomb. pace to sort of mean that it's also sort of, you know, absolutely leaving a trail of destruction and <laughs> ruination in its wake, do they?
2: Mm. Plus, like, glacial is like, that Nova Bomb arrives in five weeks' time. Mm. <laughs> so I guess it's slightly
0: slower.
1: They could mean mints. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's like glacial mints are like foxes' glacier mints. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> those are
0: good. I haven't had one of those in ages. I yeah, about no, no, they're nice. They are. Hey, did you hear about Walnut Whips. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> what's happened to walnut?
1: that? Hang on, hang on. Is this that they're not going to have walnut in them anymore? Yep. What? Yeah. Like I uh, yeah, someone mentioned this. Was it you? Have Probably you been me. harping on about this? For a while? Okay. So I mean, what's happened? I
0: would say I've mentioned it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> what's perhaps with the walnut whips? Uh, Why do we have this in news? They're, they're
0: taking the walnut out. Um they in fairness in fairness to them, they're not calling it walnut whip anymore. They're just calling it something else to whip. Um, it's not good enough, Tom. And they're doing multiple varieties of them. I think there's going to be like a mint one and like maybe an orange one. Why or can't something. they do walnuts? But there's no, because walnuts are really expensive. Uh, um. <laughs> uh, everything's getting more expensive.
1: Can't you uh, Brexit. It's like probably. a luxury product though.
0: Um, yes, they are doing that. Um, but also I think a walnut crop failed recently.
1: I... Um, and
0: so prices have, have kind of Particularly spiked for walnuts.
1: <gasps> I've got some walnuts downstairs.
0: <laughs> to eBay. Sitting on a fortune.
1: Yeah! I could make a killing! <laughs> or a walnut whip. <laughs> this isn't about games, where were yeah, this we? This <laughs> is
0: like a question section except no one asks us a question. <laughs> <laughs> it's right, I'm editing this week so. That's <laughs> the way it, it could be cut.
1: <laughs> Destiny seemed Okay, we have some reservations. I'm really excited about it. You're really excited about it. It's all good, really, isn't it? I think it's just that thing of, I think I said in my, in my, when I was writing it up, it's like, it's like when you go to the bowling alley and you have to wear their shoes and you really want to be wearing your shoes (laughs) and playing (laughs) as your wizard, you know?
2: Yeah, definitely. And also I just, I feel like I don't want the cool thing I've had in my life social thing i've had in my life to go away or become bad well, that's my greatest <laughs> worry as long as it's okay i will be satisfied as long as my <laughs> friends are still playing it i can still kind of dip in and have fun with it and hmm, it's yeah. all going to be good
1: from like that from that basic assessment that i've managed to do it still looks like it has all of the core components <clears throat> yeah. it might be that i play a different mode that isn't control or it might be that i get good at this version <laughs> yeah, of control or it might <laughs> be that if we're all playing on console and i stop wondering whether i'm about to hit like i don't know my weird AOE heal that I didn't even know I had instead of like the bloody shove button which is on F1 probably (laughs) (laughs) control F1 Mm. (laughs) so yes good things multi good games this week
0: I played a little bit of Dead Cells uh, for the first time in a while it's been Mm. updated a number of times since I last played it Mm. Um, and the big new feature is that it has a daily challenge now um, I thought
1: it did before, or did I imagine that, or was it about to have one? Not
0: the last time I played or talked about it, um, but yeah, it, it does have now. Um, and they've really gone to town on it. Like it's a, it's some effort has gone into this. It's a, kind of a redesign of the game. Um, it's one level. I' pretty sure the setting of the level is random because it was like a Surrey one when I played it, and that is not the first level of the game. Um, you are given um, it's a very interesting system because dead cells is a game that you play through um takes you know maybe two hours or an hour and a half to complete it if you have a successful run um, the sort of theme of each level is the same each time but the layout of it is randomized and you uh, unlock weapons for your whole sort of account um, by earning cells and spending them on uh, on things in the shop to unlock new types of, of weapons. Um, and so the daily challenge removes, uh, some of that randomness by obviously giving everyone the same layout. And also they give you the same two starting weapons, except that if you don't have them unlocked, you don't get them. So uh, it gives you two. And I, in, today I had one of those things unlocked and the other one I didn't have unlocked. So I only got one weapon. Um, and you can have two equipped at the same time. So it's kind of a disadvantage there. It's kind of interesting. I, I wonder why they've done that. Maybe, um, they must be worried that, that people would just play the daily challenge all the time and not care about unlocking anymore. But I don't think that's really the case. I think it'd still be appealing to be able to unlock these things in the, in the main game. Um, cause the disadvantage of doing it the way they've done it is that it means the whole point of daily challenge is it's a great equalizer, right? Everyone's on the same page. In a randomized game, the point of a daily challenge is to take out the random element so you can compare your performance mm. to yeah. friends and say, oh, I actually did well for, you know, even though I died on, on level 3 in Spelunky, um, that was actually pretty good for today because everyone died at level 3 or 2. Um,
1: I'm better than that guy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and this doesn't do that because if you haven't unlocked stuff in the base game, then you're just at, a, at a disadvantage. And I've played Dead Cells for 20 hours, so <laughs> I'm not like a beginner... um and the, today's daily challenge is one of the two things I can't have, uh, which is a strange decision. Didn't actually bother me because I really. especially, um, it tends to be you have like a sword or a hammer or something and that's like your main weapon. And you're going to be killing 90% of things with that and your secondary weapon will be more of a special case type thing. Um, and then throughout the level, they've sort of changed what things you find. So instead of finding like, um, a scroll that levels up your, health, or one that levels up your weapons, or one that lets you choose which thing to level up. Uh They just have these universal level-up scrolls that level up all three at once, and then they also have, like, bonus stars, and um, uh a sort of special, sort of, I don't uh, know, altar-type arrangement where there's two weapons that are kind of bound to each other, and if you take one of them, it, you can't have the other one. Um, so just a very kind of contrived way of presenting you with a, a choice of weapons, Uh, Because they don't want to give you shops because they don't want you to spend money because money and score are now the same... Well, they're not the same thing. Money is replaced by score. Anything that would normally get you money gets you score. Mm. Bonus stars get you score. Killing things quickly gets you score. Um, And there is a time limit, which is strange, and a boss. And I've only played today's, so I don't know what changes from day to day. Um, But today, at least... Uh, you go through this quite big level and you, there are signs pointing you towards the boss if you want to get to the boss. And once you enter the boss room, you can't go back out again. And so that's kind of like... I think the goal is like farm as much of this level as you can within the time limit, then go to the boss hmm. before the time it runs out and then fight the boss and, and defeat it. And the boss was the... <laughs> I'm pretty sure I'm remembering this right, the unfinished one, which is the... uh uh the boss you get at the first end of the first kind of chapter of the game. And it's a, just a very annoying boss fight. I've never liked it. I've I've beaten it several times now, but you just need a particular set of weapons or when you have a particular set of weapons it's very easy. If you don't know those particular set of weapons, it's extremely hard. Um and on this daily I did not have those weapons. I also didn't really know what I was doing when I walked into that chamber that I couldn't go back out and then it would be a boss fight and there would be this boss. Um, so what I don't know is whether the boss is always the unfinished one or whether it's a different one each day or something, Mm -hmm. but either way, I don't really want it to be that. And I also don't really want to time them. It was kind of a, like, I didn't mind that it was timing me. I could see that the time was ticking up. Um, I didn't really look that hard at the harder. I think it was telling me it was ticking down as well. Um, but you know, in the back of my head I was thinking, okay, I will score better if I do this faster, but, uh... I don't care too much about that. I'm just, I'm going to kill all the enemies in a cool way. I'm going to try and avoid losing health. I'm going to, you know, do what I consider playing the game. Um, and, uh, on my first try at it, I did that successfully and then went, went to the boss room and it was stuck in there with the unfinished one who I don't like fighting and I died. And then the second time through, I thought, okay, I'm actually, you can replay it, which you can't do in Splunky daily. Um, and I thought, actually I'm, I'm quite interested in seeing if I can do that better. Uh, Because I know a lot more about how it works now, and I won't go to that boss this time. And then, so I tried to explore more of the level, and then I just ran out of time, (laughs) just ended. (laughs) I was like, "Ah, that's not really a great end." I, I can see, I can see why that that might be an appealing structure for some is having a certain limited amount of time to go and sort of get stuff and then at the end of that time go to the boss and mm. and
1: it feels like it's a trade off like one of those things where it's like okay well how much do i know or th- or gamble that i can do with the expertise i have and the decisions that i've made yeah but like it's such a different mental prospect from Spelunky's sort of like, okay, everyone starts completely bare bones, now get as far as you can or, you know, do as much of this as possible. It's such a different prospect. Yeah. I, I like
2: the idea of a gauntlet, but um, the time doesn't seem to suggest a gauntlet. Like that idea of like comparing progress, like mm. a point score yeah. or a kind of money score isn't what I consider
0: to be like an entertaining way of comparing my play yeah, yeah that was actually it was a failing of Spelunky's Daily Challenge as well which is it mm. only ranked you by money and often you would do better if you died earlier because you just had a lot of money on you you had not a chance to spend it yeah. yet whereas yeah. if you're playing the game to have fun when you have money and there's a shop or something you would spend that money and buy cool stuff and that would plummet you in the scoreboards yeah I'd want to see like uh, for Spunky,
2: I want to see my friend, my friend's loadouts, what they had when they died and kind of mm. cause that I- implies something about their journey yeah. or what they were using. Um, I didn't want to watch them because like a, a lot of people recorded their Spunky dailies what, yeah. for a while, didn't they? And it, I, I loved including watching. Mark Lidl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, and those are always really fun. I love watching like, um, Tom's and Graham's. It was really, really nice.
1: And Paul actually did some interesting ones because he used to like get people to challenge him to talk about a particular topics oh, yeah, while yeah. He... so I remember he did one about Billy Connolly or something and was just like chatting away while he, you know, dealt with bats and yeah, things like that. Really awesome. Was kind
2: of... Yeah. A lovely little community sprang up around that
1: yeah but i always used to skim read not for where my position was in relation to other people in the way the game would but i always sort of checked whether anyone had died before me Mm. i was always checking for like which level it was whether it was is
0: anyone else from (laughs)
1: 1.1 it was
0: really fun when there's a a daily where um you know you see like a scary spike pit on one one, and you get past it and then you get to like you know the jungle or, or the ice world or something, and then when you finally see the scoreboard, you just see a load of one-one-one-one. <laughs> I know what got you.
1: <laughs> yeah, so I think that was like, yeah, that was really cool. I just, yeah, there's something feels off about what you're saying, and I don't know whether I'm just reading into it based on the fact that you sort of don't sound enthused. But yeah,
0: it is just a score. I'm three thousandth today. I don't know what the hell that means. It doesn't mean anything to me. Um <laughs> I guess I can't really blame it for the fact. Well. I can't tell whether it ever shows you what your friend's got. It will Mm. show me the global leaderboard and that's it. There's no Mm. other option for Mm. me. Uh, that might be because none of my friends have played today's daily, which would be, wouldn't surprise me. Um, but that's, you know, that's what I want from it is I want to see how I did compared to my friends. Um,
1: do you know what was good for, for like leaderboards and things? Devil daggers oh yeah like oh, being yeah. able to see what someone did for that six minutes and just being <laughs> like holy what <laughs> yeah that,
0: so that, that was good. just like the whole game was just one scoreboard right yeah. uh
1: yeah i, I think mean, it was like a different day of i think no no but like you had the global one and you had your friends one that kind of thing um but it was just quite nice to like be able to see other people's playthroughs by default you know hmm. you'd you, be able to watch it in game right that's the dream oh, right yeah. yeah that's the dream we actually
2: recorded what people did and you could yeah. download them
1: yeah and like that was just really cool and um i obviously other games it would be a massive like you know resource drain because mm. devil daggers was so unforgiving <laughs> and it was like you weren't gonna have a half hour play through were you <laughs> no. but um so yeah but i i really liked how it did that it seemed really elegant and mm. you know but obviously it was measuring something that was very much an endurance yeah challenge and that was the point of the game it wasn't trying to do
2: yeah, XCOM 2 War of the Chosen adds a challenge mode, but I haven't had a chance to check it out because only goes live, only went live, um, when the game was released, uh, oh, right. uh yesterday. So I'll probably, I'm going to check that out over the next few days. Wait, if, if different that's... Different
0: challenges on different days? Or? Yeah, it
2: implies there's some online component, but I've not had chance to actually see how it's structured. Hmm. Um, so that would be an interesting design challenge to how, how to make XCOM 2 a, a shareable weekly challenge. Probably wouldn't be a daily. Um, so yeah, that's interesting. I'll check it out. Shall we do questions?
1: Yes. Let's start with a question from Duncan. Dear Creighton Crowbar, First off, thanks for the great pod. I recently played the IKEA pancake-making VR game, and in spite of how terrible that game should be, me and some friends all found it to be one of the better VR experiences we've had and had a great time playing it. My question is, have you ever played any game that even though all signs suggest it would be awful, ended up being very fun to play? Thanks and keep up the podding, Duncan.
0: I know that Chris Donald is a big fan of that Ikea game. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I, like, I'd have to go all the way back to, um, Rise of Nations, which I did not think was just not my genre at all. I was only into RTSs if they had robots and sci-fi and stuff. Um, but I was disc of a PC gamer, and so I had to play all the demos that I was going to put on the disc. And I played the demo of that, and that was an especially good demo, um, uh, and it was an especially good tutorial for the game. Um, and yeah, ended up totally hooked on it and really got into that game. And then you know, even played Rise of Legends later which, when it did go fantasy, and it was cool.
1: And Tom, you were mentioning the the pre Quern thing, which I will see if I can dig out yeah. what that actually
2: was. <laughs> so a few, a few episodes back, um, in the episode called "The Sum of All Things is Quern," <laughs> um, <laughs> I talked about Quern, which I suppose is one of these games. Uh, basically, occasionally I just play something that the Steam recommends me, and there was one about skiing tribe style, which also had platforming, but also had like almost like portal gun mechanics, and it is like super basic but just basically quite entertaining even though it looks dreadful from from the outside and from its steam page I honestly can't remember what it's called so I we'll have to dig through the archives for that one.
1: Hmm. I, w- I, I remember thinking, I would like to play that, and then promptly walked out of this room and never thought <laughs> of it again. I had
2: a really forgettable name as well. Like, <laughs> the fact that I'd forgotten it, I played it and apparently enjoyed it. <laughs> it's not a good sign.
1: Basically, I wanted to include this question so that it would remind me to check what that game was so that I could play
2: it. <laughs> yeah, I'll put it in the show notes.
1: Yeah, excellent um the next question is from mark uh who starts dear one zero print uh open speech marks crate and crowbar close speech marks semicolon two zero go to 10. I have, sp- <laughs> I have ended up spending more time on the computer at work, and following Tom's suggestion from a while ago, have picked up an Xbox controller for the PC for the first time. However, I haven't used a controller regularly since I had a PS One. Any suggestions on some good games where I can learn how to use a controller? Thanks, Mark.
0: I think um, Spelunky is a good one. I learned that on keyboard, you know, I was um uh I had played the PC version on keyboard a thousand times before I ever played the Xbox version and so I was very resistant to using it on a gamepad. Um but pretty quickly came to see the uh benefits of doing that and now I only play it on a gamepad and it's really good. Um I also really like uh I think Batman Arkham Asylum or Arkham City. Um mm-hmm. That's, you know, one of the best combat systems ever made, uh, and also really suits the game really, really well. It's, it's all about those four face buttons and, um, the, all the combos are just combinations of, of those four things. Um, so it really feels designed for a pad and it's also a, a game where like, it's incredibly satisfying to get it right. You can play, you know, just very easy challenge rooms and you can just play the combat by itself in the challenge rooms and, uh one of the most basic ones they the enemies will never have any of the particularly challenging um types of kit and so you can just practice there and it's really fun yeah i was going to say Crypt the necrodancer which i think mm. has a controller mode
2: um i assume it does um but that's all about mo- timed movements to the beat of a rhythm uh so that's a good way of kind of Teaching you like, almost, you know, coordinated button presses, but without the pressure of something like a beat'em up or something, which requires very complex inputs. It's just direction, action, uh, to the rhythm, the rhythm of a beat that grows increasingly more complex as you play through the game, which hopefully might teach more kind of dexterity
0: as you play. Oh, uh, you just reminded me there's more news. Um, <laughs> the Crypt for the Necroancer folks have announced uh, a new game yeah. called, brilliantly, Industries of Titan. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because it's about Beautiful, industrial factions on Titan, which is a moon of
1: Jupiter? <laughs> 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 I'm not sure.
0: Um, uh, there's that one planet that has all those moons. Might, has a lot of them. Is that Jupiter or Saturn? Saturn or Jupiter. Uh, yeah, might I think Saturn. it's
1: Jupiter. I oh,
0: wait. I think... So the immediate comparison of the point for this game is Offworld Trading Company, which is set on Mars. Hmm. Offworld Trading Company's... Expansion is called, as we all know. <laughs> somebody remind me.
1: On World Trading. Co- oh, I, don't
0: know. <laughs> I played it. I I want to say it's set on Io, which I... I feel like is a moon of Jupiter.
1: It's a moon oh, of. Hang, <laughs> I did like. I did. No, like, I'm gonna look in it up. <laughs>
0: primary school or secondary school or something i did like a, a sort of booklet about all the moons of i want to say jupiter i <laughs> was moon one of them of jupiter oh, yeah, 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 yeah. what about titan i, I bet titan looking is looking as well up. it's to be jupiter or it could be uranus on, jupiter
1: it's a moon of saturn oh, so saturn. i was right nowhere nowhere. Shit, sorry.
0: <laughs>
2: i should have known this because Destiny's isn't like yeah. titan a, a destiny two moon
1: So Titan is where Zavala of the Titans goes to, like, mope about the destruction of the tower. Did that wizard
0: come from that moon?
1: (laughs) (laughs) I I think that was our moon, unfortunately, but maybe more wizards come from other moons. (laughs) I was
0: watching Game of Thrones recently and I thought it's not total coincidence that Peter Dinklage's acting of that line was terrible and particularly just <laughs> acting of certain lines in Game of Thrones is also terrible <laughs> he is a great actor at times but the, he's also got this weird sort of he's detached fact I I voice it. <laughs> that comes out
1: I don't know. Like, I kind of, I really like him in Game of Thrones. Like, some people really don't like his accent. I've read, and I'm, I'm. Yeah, it's like, very,
0: it's very over enunciated.
1: Well, I've got such a tin ear for accents that I didn't mm. pick that up. I was just hmm. like, oh, I didn't. Uh, okay, <laughs> sure, <laughs> maybe. But yeah, yeah.
0: I, I like it. I find him likable. Um But there are just in the odd nine where, particularly, I think maybe if, he, if he's off screen, it might be more pronounced. But it just sounds like a person really enunciating every word.
1: (laughs) Yeah. On the, um, on the controller side of things, I would also suggest maybe, uh, games that have controller support that are maybe a bit more low pressure, just if you want to get used to, you know, navigating using the analog stick and like which buttons are usually the ones that you press to input you know an option or something um just because that means that you won't be up against the clock for any reason mm. or you mm. know with skill challenges or something um and also if you respond well to skill challenges um quite a few of the fighting games have you know, like modes where you can learn the moves, um, some better than others, and I'm not well placed to say which they are, but some of them will just sort of, again, they'll have that arena mode where you can just go again and again and again, and mm. it'll tell you which inputs you need until you've actually got them in your muscle memory. But fighting games are such a specific thing, and I, I wonder whether he's more talking about, like, just where your finger knows which one is the back button mm. without needing to... To look down mm. usually I
2: wonder if there are any good shooter shooter games that could teach you because like that's a different skill entirely mm. twin stick shooters it's yeah, um, not from a first person like that
0: I actually um, got on reroll well Dishonored 2 on gamepad mm. uh, because mm. it's not a shooter There, there is a crossbow and you can aim it at people's heads and that is advantageous to do in some situations but you can also play the game entirely without doing that and that was a good combo for me you know I, I can aim if I have to yeah. Um, but I'm not that quick at it and also it's a stealth game so you can hide in the shadows for as long as you like and line up that perfect shot and so that was a good way to kind of um, get better at that stuff
1: maybe some physics puzzlers as well because hmm. that's a portal know, I suppose. yeah like just where you're picking stuff up and like running around I think that helps you get your bearings and get familiar with with bits and pieces as you play you know like use it as a play space um mm. So the next question is from Hugh. Dear Crate and Crowbar, gaming is generally associated with the younger generation and most gamers are below 40. As current gamers grow older, will we see more games targeted at an older audience? What sort of games would older people like slash dislike? Does the increased risk of RSI and slowed reaction times mean older people can't play certain games? I should clarify that my question concerns current gamers 50 years in the future, not just current older gamers. Thanks for the great pod. P.S. Tom Francis has mentioned multiple times on the pod that he would like a 4X game that combines the many resources into one. The mobile game The Battle for Polytopia does just that, combining production, research and happiness, etc. into one resource called resource. (laughs) It is worth a look. (laughs) Thank you, Hugh.
0: A resource is worth a look.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's Uh... the exchange rate. One look.
0: (laughs) That sounds pretty extreme. I wasn't actually looking for one that combined them all into one res- resource. Well, I was that's what for you've like, got,
1: Tom. You take <laughs> it before you leave it. I do
0: leave it. <laughs> <laughs> I leave it to one day make my own, which just sensibly collapses some of the 18 resources into, like, four. Hugh
1: um, has provided you so with at least have some to your problem. <laughs> to
0: like, I feel like happiness and growth and culture maybe all could be merged and...
1: Um That's an interesting philosophy you've got over there. Yeah.
0: makes sense? <laughs> I think you're writing history bears this out.
1: <laughs> Indeed.
0: What was the first part of the question again?
1: It was about uh how we perceive gaming to oh, yeah, change but, um, for older people slash yeah. people now fifty years in the future.
0: Hmm. Uh interesting question to think about like what, you know, we three will want in forty years' time. Um just a virtual reality
2: fucking hamper uh, <laughs> I can press a button to sort of sway a little bit every now and then, but otherwise it 's a completely passive experience yeah, just
0: a lovely kind of holiday well definitely um uh you know today 's uh age groups uh mm-hmm. divide into um the older ones will respond better to games that don 't have strong time pressure or high skill requirements um and even just on a, uh, apart from preferences, there's also just a kind of hard limit on how good, um, a person of a certain age can be at a certain game. You know, in professional StarCraft, if you're like 25, you're, you're past it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're really, you're like, regard, even with the benefit of all your experience and, um, and brilliance, uh, from years and years and years of doing this, which is a huge advantage, um, you're just so old at 25. <laughs> You're so, so old Isn't that, that your nerves and reactions have dulled.
1: Military service, like, has to be performed. Yeah,
0: it's quite an awkward thing in Korea right. because, um, yeah. uh, a lot of the people in their StarCraft Prime are, uh, have to do spend mandatory years in the army and then they come back and they're not as good as they used to be isn't that mm. what
1: happened with Boxer but like he then came back and was good but in a different way yeah something like that I can't yeah remember. I think
0: he's he's not uh, a huge deal in like Starcraft 2 at least Um mm. I don't know what the Starcraft 1 scene is like but fake Boxer was very good <laughs> uh, and then he renamed himself Marine King Prime
1: so I think he's
0: something else now I think he's changed the name again
1: so I I feel like I would prefer to have some demographics in front of me answering this just so I could check the assertion of you know, because I don't think gaming is I mean, gaming is lazily associated with the younger generation, I suppose. But like, Hmm. you know, also there's a heck of a lot of people over the age of, you know, 30 playing a whole bunch of stuff on mobile. It's just that it tends to get written off. And I think that maybe that's a thing that will hopefully be a distinction that holds less water, because I don't think it's a helpful one, you know, like this idea of like, oh, yeah, but you're only playing a hidden object adventure on your iPad, you know, that's not gaming or, you know, and I'm not saying that that's what Hugh was saying and asking this question. I'm just sort of pointing out that that's a change that I think I would like to see. But also I would be interested in whether in, I don't know, 30 years, whether we are more interested in in experiences that we remember as being fun now, like whether we would want to play, I don't know, destiny nine or (laughs) something. And then, you know, everybody who is 30 or 20 or whatever at that point is just, Interested in something so far beyond what we care about. Yeah. You know, it might as well be, you know,
2: technology moves on to the extent that we will be alienated in sequence. By, yeah. Uh, and
1: we'll have a different generation. strand of nostalgia to everybody who is sort of that younger demographic mm. then. And, you know, there's also stuff like your skills might swap out as well. Cause I remember, I think, um, an interview that, I think it, Chris did an interview with uh, one of the older players in the Dota scene and, you know, his reflexes are obviously, or not obviously, but like, you know, that's one of the arguments that has been made for like, oh, is that, you know, you know, do you have a shelf life in this game? But like the, the counter argument is that you, uh, that, Experience then brings a better overview of the game and like, Mm. you know, better strategic choices and better like macro level play, you know, that kind of thing. So it's kind of maybe you would move on to playing different roles within a similar genre. You know, you'd sort of be more interested in different things, you know?
0: Yeah.
2: Kind of interested in, um, a generation like ours that's grown up with gaming just being within our culture mainstream but not represented within the mainstream culture if you if you know what I mean so not TV programs isn't, gaming isn't in newspapers are gaming. you
1: saying that pixels is not uh... I,
2: I'm saying that that's <laughs> not good enough damn it <laughs> what do you better... want Tom?
1: how many moons on how many sticks
2: <laughs> <laughs> there's been such a gap in like our perception of uh, you know games as a, as a culture that is just not reflected by the medium uh, where the gatekeepers are much older and frankly just don't have an understanding mm. in many cases of um of this culture and it'd be be interesting to see how uh wide perceptions towards games change as uh our generations move into those positions and whether Mm. we kind of in turn alienate earlier generations with their new thing you know whether that's just a cycle that happens
1: (laughs) i wonder if we'll still be getting like people writing that op-ed of like what is an eSport and is it here, oh, to Oh yes, definitely.
2: Yeah, we will definitely be reading that <laughs> in fucking
1: 2050. Um, the other thing that I would just say is I've spoken to a few people who are, who do feel, um, or who self sort of describe as feeling older than, you know, the, the audiences that are usually at a games convention or whatever or they're Mm. there and they're interested and you know some are even working in the industry and something that has come up in a couple of those conversations just casually is a sort of you know wishing that there was more representation of Mm. that you know like it's not that like they they would like an old people game that old people can play it's like it's very much a kind of, I'm interested in the same things. It's just that, you know, where are, where is anybody who looks like me? And I think that's a mm. refrain across so many, like, Demographics that just aren't, you know, desirable from an advertiser's point of view. You know, it's like they're not going to be put on a cover art thing. They're not going to, mm. like, be on a bunch of posters that you can easily shift to yeah. people or, like, you know, using your marketing drive in a really obvious way. And so, you know, like, anybody who falls outside that is, I think, often – or, you know, I don't want to speak for people, but I'm often, like – okay, there's no one who looks like me in a game, you know? Mm. There's no one who looks like, you know, a bunch of my friends. There's no one who... And so I think that that is another thing. I think perhaps as the people playing games get older, the people making games get older. And so maybe that's the point at which we will see, you know, just some better representation as well. Because, like, we've already had, like, the you know the so-called dadification of games as well hmm. as like a bunch of men making games have suddenly have have like, yeah and yeah, have suddenly definitely. gone i would like games that either feature people more like me at this stage of my life or that i can play with my kid you know like hmm. it brings around a shift in you know what the creators are more interested in doing so that might be yeah. another thing
0: you don't uh see her close up much but the main character in he's english sure is a six-year-old woman <laughs>
1: um
0: and a thing i struggle with is i i don't really believe that people who uh the kind of games i make tend to um uh the kind of games i want to make uh work best if you have a load of like interesting clever ideas they're supposed to bring those clever ideas out of you if you have them and if you do have them you should have a great time with the game um and i don't think that those correlate strongly with people who are also very skillful at you know clicking the button really quickly or aiming the mouse really expertly or pushing the sticks on a gamepad really well um and so i'm trying to make games that that bring out the cleverness in you but don't require skill um and it's tricky because both of those things uh both challenges to both of those skills inspire the same kind of intimidation people if you tell them this is a hard mission they think oh shit i can't do a hard mission i won't do it um and with heat signature one of the challenges we've had is that like most of the cool interesting experiences i've had with the game are when i'm up against an enemy that i don't have the tools to defeat he has a shield. I don't have any of the gadgets that defeat a shield. And that's when I start looking at, well, what do my gadgets do? Can it teleport me over there? Can it get that guy out the window? Can I break a window? Can that guy be in the room when I break the window? And that's when all the interesting stuff happens. Um, but it for a certain kind of player, it will just be interpreted as, oh, I just can't do this. I just mm. don't have the tool. and It's just hopeless. I have to give up. Um, because they've been trained by games for so long that, you know... It might be just be a test of skill or it might be just a test of levels or it might just be you don't have what you need for this. And so you, you fail. Or it um,
1: requires a very particular like way of thinking, like strategy games. I always feel instantly like just a tiny bit put off. Like I'll always, you know, watch the trailer or something. If it's been recommended or if I'm keeping up with the news, but as soon as someone says strategy, I'm always like, that's not the part of my brain that m- makes this. A a fun experience, you know, it's like, I will send that to Adam. (laughs) So I, and even if it is something that I would love, it takes a bit more to get over that hurdle. Mm. So yeah, but again, maybe that would be like one of the better things about a generation that has grown up with gaming as very much, not just the norm, but as, you know, a key part of like, the culture and just so pervasive and so sort of all encompassing um that is you know you know someone who's into sort of all of these different things and it just gets sort of more and more i don't know i i don't want to be like oh oh, and then a utopia somehow (laughs) um but maybe it's quite exciting
2: though i do agree yeah i I do agree that um like the audience for games isn't Gonna go away amongst our generation, like people are gonna grow up and have kids and stuff and, um, go into different phases of their lives. But I think people like for our, for our generation, at least maybe in like among our friend group, games are just a part of the way we, we relax now. So we're gonna expect that and there's mm-hmm. gonna be a market for that for as long as.
1: And part of the way we communicate as well, Mm, like so much activity on, you know, platforms like Itch or platforms, you know, anywhere that you can upload a thing and share it with people, Mm. you know, and all of the game jams, like too many to even keep track of. Like, you know, there will be game jams in, you know, nursing homes. There will be game jams. (laughs) in, You know, like there's a game jam for everything. (laughs) Game jams on the beaches. (laughs) (laughs) Say so, and Game Jam's in their coffee shops. <laughs> we yeah, and so on and so on. <laughs> but, yeah, interesting question. Um... The next one is actually an email, uh, which I think, uh, was in response to something Chris was wondering. Uh, it is from friend of the podcast, Jack, uh, Jack? Zach Johnson. Jack Zonson. Jack Zonson. His name. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Obviously a good friend of the podcast. <laughs> Um, Zach Johnson so during the first year of Kingdom of Loathing we had a lot of pockets of players all over the English speaking world including a boarding school in Melton Mowbray UK I think it was one of those kids around November of 2003 who sent a message to to us reading, will we get Crimbo Prezzies? We looked up all of those words (laughs) and then decided it would be funny to celebrate Kingdom of Loathing's first Christmas by giving everybody an item called Crimbo Prezi. (laughs) establishing Crimbo as Loathing's official celebration of the birth of Christ. Thanks for podding, everybody. So, so yeah.
0: Chris was baffled because West of Loathing refers to Christmas as Crimbo, which he thought was a British thing, mm-hmm. and West of Loathing is an American thing, and also, I guess, set in a place that must be an analogue of Americans. Like, it's a Wild West <laughs> game, and Wild West is absolutely about America. Hmm. Um, they didn't the really expression. have
1: a white Crimbo in the, in the, in the
2: sort of the... Hot I'm dreaming plane. of a white, white Crimbo. crimbo. <laughs>
1: Gosh, I'm starting to think maybe we should send some very British emails to, to more developers. Yeah, just to get more plan, things actually. in,
0: Seeds some old in
1: games. I'm not yeah. sure which, uh.
0: I mean, the, the actual, the real bombshell here is that Americans also don't have the word prezzies. That's
1: true. <laughs> yeah. yeah. How
0: have you survived without prezzies? Bombshell.
1: That's weird. It's
0: merely making do with gifts, as you call them.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, did the, do they call them presents? at all i've
0: been assuming so uh, now that you yeah. say it i don't know or if they've for sure. been presenting yeah. to do say, all do say like gift is, is definitely the american way of saying it and present is the uk way of saying gift it. Gift is a lovely okay. word actually i really enjoy the word gift they they also use it as a verb right you can yeah. gift and re-gift mm.
1: oh yeah you can re-gift
0: oh you can re-gift can you, but you, can you,
1: no you need to keep track of that re-gift though
0: you can't re <laughs> that's <laughs> can, sure. can you de-gift <laughs>
1: just take take it back. Back. steal it <laughs> yeah. so what you should do yeah like you note where you put it down when mm. you came in and then if they annoy you you leave and you take it with <laughs> you. you
0: de-gifted <laughs> you can like if you go to a wedding and they get divorced during the wedding you could probably de-gift
1: <laughs> well i think that's the thing because like i think some people like I, I sometimes read agony aunt columns and things and you do read about Awful sounding friends and relatives who, you know, if, if something happens or if someone gets jilted that they want to know whether they'll be getting their gift (laughs) back, you know, and you're like, wow, okay. Like, I mean, I appreciate that sometimes it's a really expensive thing or like maybe it's a, you know, you do want to know, but like there's a, there's, there's tact involved, Mm -hmm. surely.
0: (laughs) Not the best time to start.
1: (laughs) No, but now I'm just wondering which, which British slang we should. We should try and propagate in these different places, or whether it would just be words that we don't think of as weird, which then makes it really hard. <laughs> but then, because the other thing is, I I seem to speak as if I'm from a time warp anyway. So every now and again, Chris would just be like, "What the hell are you talking about?" And I'd just be <laughs> like, "What did I say? What w- what was weird about that?" Because I remember I was talking about a bunch of I was going to say hoodlums. Uh, as if mm-hmm. that was more up to date <laughs> a bunch of hoodlums um but i referred to them as hobbledehoys and <laughs> oh my <was> god delighted <laughs> he was just kind of like oh my god what are you talking about <laughs> <laughs> this!" Like, oh so we're not saying that anymore okay fine <laughs> no, i don't think Good. we're Good. saying hobbledyhoys <laughs> It's just, there are so many really delightful words out there, and I think that, you know, they need, they need saying. All, there's a modern version,
2: there's hoodlums. All goblins and kobolds in games need to be renamed hobbledy boys. Is that hobbledy boys? Gobbledy boys.
0: even better. Gobbledy hoys and cobbledy hoys. <laughs> One's more powerful than the other, it's like...
1: Clear, it's better, right? What's the thing in, um in the Fable series? There's a hob something. The hobs? There's H O B B E S, right? Like they're those oh, little look, goblin-y they're... things. Mm. I wonder if that comes from a similar. In,
2: uh, I think they're moblins in Zelda.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Right. Huh. Hmm. But yes, that is a. I like that. And it should be hobbity boys. <laughs> Thank you for sending it in, Zach. That was nice. Um. So the last thing that I have in my bag o mail, um is uh, from Aiden, which says, Hi all, I have a grudge. Yes, love a grudge. I have a grudge against single-player games whose main uh, menu, cursor position, does not default to the continue option. When I boot up a game, I almost always want to continue my current save, not start a new game. Hollow Knight was a recent offender. You can call me Grudge Dread, but I think this <laughs> needs to go in the book. Thanks, Aiden.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. I also had a, an annoying thing lately where, um, I guess well, this was on Lost Legacy DLC for Uncharted, which is a PlayStation game, not a PC game, but it has a stupid guess save out. slot system, and uh, I had saved, and I'd only made one save that day. But when it presented me the load game screen, I assumed it defaulted to the one that was most recent or at least the only one that had happened in the last week. Um, But I was wrong. And so when I clicked uh, OK, it actually loaded a save from like a week ago when I was in part of the game and took ages because I had to load all the assets for that part of the game, which is reasonable. Um, But yeah, it could have defaulted to the fucking latest one. My actual grudge with menus <laughs> is related, which is I fucking hate it when moving the cursor around changes the position of the menu items. Um, Christ, all the Crisis do, games do, well, actually, a Crisis 2 onwards do this. Um, and quite a lot of modern games do it. It's like a, they obviously consider it like a fancy polish thing, but it mm-hmm. is just fundamentally worse than if you just left them in where they are because you move the mouse. In one direction, you know, on these, you, you make like a sort of tight feedback loop of visual decisions based on, you know, the input that's coming to your eyes of like, oh, I need to move my mouse this far down to get to that point. And as you do, the whole menu itself tilts up and they move faster. And so now you've gone past it and you've selected the option below it, and now it doesn't work.
1: I can't think of a so single game irritating. where I've seen that happen.
0: Um, yeah, Crisis Two is a good example. And um, actually, a good example
2: of this is Destiny One, where you've got a pad, mm. and if you know you're going in a certain direction, oh. and it's moving at a consistent speed, then it's actually a, a bone, a good thing to mm. happen to have because you get into where you want to quicker. Huh. Uh, they yeah. they
1: do an interesting thing with the Destiny menus or the interface um, on the original, in that I went to I went to a whole talk about this, <laughs> and they do interesting things like um, you your mouse moves at a faster speed but then when it goes over something that you might want to click on it slows down and it's just yeah. lots of little touches like that that yeah. make the make the options kind of sticky but in a way that you can predict and mm. that is useful to you and that you get where you where you're going with the cursor more quickly but i wonder like that's one thing that i forgot to check on the pc is whether they need to even do that because obviously on on a gamepad, mm. you wouldn't need to because obviously it's a case of, I mean, on a gamepad you do need to do that because you're moving slower because of how the cursor works but yeah. when it's a mouse you can zip across the screen so you don't want yeah. things to be moving because you need they, that predictability i would have
2: noticed it if it was annoying so if, yeah. you could yeah. it. if it was a slight then i would have yeah noticed it. i
1: would have noticed it if it was annoying but i don't know whether they've done an interesting yeah. other thing mm. that i'm not noticing <laughs> so now i really want to go back and check yeah it's, it's amazing
2: <laughs> how many games have copied destiny for con- uh for console pad controls since then because Destiny also has the thing where when you're clicking on a thing, it, a little circle appears, or just like a little loading bar. Mm. So, it, so it's like double checks whether you really wanting to click on this thing. And it's only like a split second or two. But,
1: it lasts yeah. longer on more important items. Yeah, yeah. So hmm. you have to press it for longer if you are, for example, dismantling a really like, high-value weapon or Mm. something. And that's to make sure that you can't do it by accident and you have to really mean it. Whereas for, like, you know, dross that you'll have just picked up as you wander around, like, it's a lot quicker, which is so smart. Yeah, that seems so smart. Yeah.
0: So, like no man's sky has that delay thing but it's really annoying because it's the yeah. same on everything it's the same on everything and it's al- too long on yeah everything. and there's so many things you want to do you just need to do this all the time you just have to move things from your inventory to other places all the fucking time and it takes a, at least a second each time
1: mm-hmm.
0: and yeah that that what's strange to me about that is the you know implementing that progress bar thing is a certain amount of work that's quite difficult making that adjust to an importance metric that you set is trivial i mm. could do that in like 10 minutes it's so easy <laughs> to set that value and so easy to have it respond to that mm. and uh it seems like i don't know if they did copy it from destiny but if they did they missed the important part <laughs> <laughs> yep.
1: but yeah i feel like that is a definite this can go in the book
0: mm.
1: yeah mm. good solid grudge good grudge well done
0: I'm auto-approving my, uh, menu moving in response to cursor <laughs> grudge. <Grouch>. Oh yeah, <laughs> no, no that's, that's power. that can
1: be like a little subheading. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I also, you wanted to revisit a yes.
0: previous. Mm. So Kane previously wrote to us with a, a good thing about, um, substituting certain words in game names. Um, off the top of my head, I can't remember what his example was, <laughs> but a person on the internet has, uh, Mentioned in our episode discussion forum, uh, episode discussion room of our Discord channel. Is that the right words? Channel? Room? I don't know. Yeah. yeah Discord server, perhaps? Yeah. Anyway, we'll give you the details of that. No, we won't. We'll give you a website where you can get the details of that. <laughs> <laughs> um, and here's some more suggestions for, uh basically, it's words that you, if you replace these in a game title, um, it's funny. <laughs> Uh so the one I suggested last week was uh replacing war with what. Uh personally, I suggested replacing battle with cattle. The examples cattle field, cattle front, cattle toads, <laughs> uh Age with Ape, Dragon Ape, Ape of Empires, Ape of Wonders, arch Ape, Rock of Apes. <laughs> uh Dead to Dad <laughs> uh, Dad Space, Left for Dad, Dad Rising, Dad Island, Dad or Alive. <laughs> And then Red to Bread examples, Bread Alert, Bread Faction, my favourite bread orchestra.
1: <laughs> so And I... then
0: finally by combining the last two you can transform Rockstar's Cowboy series into Bread Dad Redemption.
1: <laughs> so right, I'm on board with the dad thing. And but like did we did was it ever specified that they had to rhyme? Because I really do think that we're putting too much thought into a lot of this mm. and that replacing a lot of keywords with the word bum is hilarious. <laughs> like I just I, I feel like maybe we've just made this too complicated but they for don't ourselves.
0: Already have.
1: Like Island of Bums. I mean
0: <laughs> What is that? Not...
1: <laughs> I don't know, I couldn't think of the game. <laughs> just but like made up I remembered. <laughs> Coming out in twenty nineteen <laughs>
2: <laughs> Pip software. <laughs>
1: <laughs> sequel to Avocado Pusher. <laughs> uh,
2: recording in the office of, uh, on Chris's PC and uh, just before the podcast, uh, uh, Pip changed Chris's desktop background to a, a <laughs> picture of a cartoon bum. I think it's perhaps been, you know,
0: sizzling in your subconscious for this entire time. Pip.
1: Yeah. There is, I think yeah maybe we'll all be looking at
0: a big pink screen that says butt crack on it.
1: It does. It does.
0: Labeling a cartoon butt crack. It's also JPEG compressed really badly and stretched to, uh, <laughs> like I'm standing about uh, sitting about uh, six feet away from it, and it, even from here, the JPEG compression is.
1: Yeah, but you can see the bomb, <laughs> and you can read the text, and that's I really all. There's I'm no
0: about avoiding that. that. There's, There's literally, literally no avoiding no that.
1: Mistaking it for anything else, that might not happening. see that.
0: <laughs> last week, or whenever I last did the podcast, uh, we spent the entire time looking at a bunch of XCOM men in hot pants because <laughs> 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 we were talking about the XCOM propaganda generator thing,
1: mm. and that was the one that happened X-Bomb. to rest. <laughs> there you go yep. it's pretty strong <laughs> there you go you, you couldn't stop laughing <laughs> bum watch
0: <laughs> see I think what works about the ones that, <laughs> that are closer to the original
1: is that <laughs> the
0: humour comes from how close they are to the original
1: the bum three I, just, I don't even know what your parents. the witcher <laughs>
0: Oh, for God's sake. It could have been Half-Life 3, really.
1: No, because then it wouldn't have been THE. Yeah, fair enough. (laughs) there.
2: X-Wing versus Bumfighter.
1: There you go. (laughs) Oh, that's pretty good. (laughs) Marvel versus Bumcom. Nice. (laughs) You see? So
2: if anyone at home can think of their own. Answers uh to this. It's a much simpler challenge in many ways than the one that was host last
0: week.
1: You can uh you can
0: contact us and in- easier, less artful, less funny.
1: <laughs> less funny. Less artful. <laughs> it's definitely less artful. <laughs> More bums though. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Can't argue with that. Uh if you want to send us things like that, but preferably not.
1: <laughs> League of bums.
0: Um, these gives other questions. Uh, I mean, why not Bum of Legends? <laughs>
1: exactly, why not? <laughs> Leak <teams>. Bum Legends.
0: <laughs> Bum of the Ancients. Defense of the Bums. See? I thought I was so deeply unimpressed by this. It's hilarious. <laughs> I'm throwing these out as counter-examples, but they're being interpreted as positive examples.
1: <laughs> Counter-strike bomb Offensive. <laughs> Come on! <laughs> this
0: is gold! I just feel you lose some of the cleverness appeal.
1: Of what? Bread Orchestra? Bread
0: Orchestra is clever,
1: damn you! <laughs> Bum Orchestra! That's hilarious! <laughs> <Less
0: clever. laughs> uh, you could send questions to us. <laughs> uh, questions <laughs> at uh And grudges of, of that sort. Uh, you... If you want to join in that Discord thing we mentioned, uh we don't know the URL, but it's on our website. And mm. our website, we do know the URL of that. That's CrateandCrowbar.com. Um,
1: bumcraft. World mm-hmm. of bumcraft.
0: <laughs> hmm <laughs> I'm hearing all the words. <laughs> um, oh. You can back us on Patreon, like many generous people do, which makes much of this possible. Um, Patreon.com slash Crowbar. Uh, you can watch our videos. Uh, this podcast is available in video form at youtube.com slash creating crowbar, but also we do, um, the Bloodborne playthrough.
2: Every and- Sunday, a new
0: episode of, uh, uh
2: us being bad at Bloodborne goes. <laughs> like, you enjoy that? Bloodbum. That sounds gross. <laughs> My dog had that once. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: anyway, let's, 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 let's um, and is there any other URLs we need to go out?
1: Uh, have we done the YouTube?
0: yes um twitter no twitter.com is where we are you can follow us there and be informed of new episodes we more or less only tweet about new episodes or sometimes when we need questions we'll yes. tweet that out um and you can also like at us questions there although i don't think we read from that we didn't check that this right. i didn't <laughs>
1: look at that so quite frankly yeah, we did that this I week was- it Too was a waste. Setting a bum as Chris's home school. <laughs> <laughs> <desktop. laughs> There's a
0: themed Pips' <laughs> occupations this week. Yeah, do email <laughs> us uh, your questions. I think that's probably okay. the best way for us. Feel mm. like questions at quickandgrowbale yeah. dot com. Yeah. yeah. Um If you want to follow us individually, I am at Pentadac P-N-T-A-D-A-T-T. Tom S is uh, at P-C-T-L-U-D-O Ludo Pip W is.
1: I am at Philippa War, which is P H I L I P P A W A W. Ah. I think that's it. Yeah. Yes. Thanks Thanks for listening everybody.